can we get back to potting now please yo every action has an equal opposite reaction austin shat the bed i love the guy but he's in traction poor julian owens he is missing in action so now i'm facing ed white with his own faction He's very attractive in the West. Californians like his chances. He's actually very forthcoming on many particular stances. Ask him a question, he bloviates, he rants at. And they say I'm a logophile, at least they know I know what camp is. DR, that's the problem, and see Ed has a less extreme you. We need to change course, a key endorsement might redeem you. What did you have in mind? Don't laugh. Who is it? You used to pod on the same staff. It might be nice, it might be nice. To have Davidson on your side, it might be nice. <laughs> it might be nice to have Davidson on your side. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Welcome back, baby. Yo, 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 Daniel. I feel like we're in a time machine. What was it 2020 again? Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> yeah, the exciting. I know everyone has been waiting for the exciting follow up to Davidson on your side. So, you know, now it's the pod, <laughs> the pod of 1800s. <laughs> I am, of course, the man who just sang a whole verse. Uh, also, your most excellent and venerated host. Still, even though I haven't been here for like five months, I'm still your wife's favorite podcaster. D.R. Lewis. <laughs> yeah, we still do that. We still do that. Uh, of course, I have my crew of friends. You might have guessed by the intro. There is no Austin Brazina. <laughs> on this episode, there's no Julian Owens. <laughs> I thought, I'm guessing it's Stray. Yeah, because like, like, oh, 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 what the hell? Oh, oh, I, I know that's. What, but I just I fail. I I need to explain the joke, Daniel. I don't know clue why. That's not how you're supposed to do it. Anyway, Boy, I am dead, here. Dead and gone. Dead and gone. <laughs> I am here with some of my favorite friends. Daniel Davidson's here. What up, man? What do you do, baby? <laughs> <laughs> and of course. Of Trey Blanco's podcast and grill fame, it is my man Ed White, Trey Blanco. Wow! Ed White! That's not, that's, okay, that's a different... Okay, anyway, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, his the, his most excellency, thespian Boppy himself, Terrell Huff, is in the building. What up? Support the arts, baby, because guess what? We are the arts. Oh, we're still the arts. Daniel, we're still the Yo, arts. Yeah. What's popping, fellas? Yes, sir. Well, I did do a whole refrain to start the podcast. I guess we could be the arts. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Hamilton in so long. I forgot what character he was describing me as in the song, though. So I was like, I'm trying to I gotta watch it. <laughs> gotta watch you, it. You, you, were, you were technically Aaron Burr. Ah. Uh, I was technically Thomas Jefferson and Daniel was technically Alexander. Um, yeah. Hey, knowing you, I would I be. Know. Although, although, although I technically I split Alexander Hamilton into two people because technically I believe Austin, no, Dr- Julian was also Alexander Hamilton because he's also missing in action. <laughs> just, just Ooh, so you we, know. We all are Alexander. <laughs> we all are Alexander Hamilton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was funny too because I was trying to figure out a way for me to be Aaron Burr, but then I couldn't sing the damn song. So not <laughs> oh, I, put a, I put a lot of thought into this for no real reason. Anyway, this is of course a show where we take one topic. One topic only. Steal it down into its purest form, its essence, if you will. Throw it in a little bowl, mix it up, and give it back to you, the people. People. Now you're going out there, you're all informed and, and stuff, possibly in shit. I don't know. I'm, I'm deciding if we're going to cuss on this new as we get back to potting. I'm just and kidding. We're, de- we're definitely going to cuss. <laughs> <laughs> now you're all informed and such, and you're reckless. 
Uh, let's just be honest. I, I've, I've seen what y'all been doing while we've been away. You're reckless. What have they been doing, D? Oh, just reckless, Daniel. <laughs> out in these streets of the highest order, <laughs> highest order, D. Engaging in, in engaging in fuckery and hoacity. Uh, yes. yes, fuckery, shenanigans, <laughs> hoacery, buffoonery, <laughs> buffoonery. Yes, yes, coonery. Don't, don't put this on the there's TikTok. some coonery going on too. Whoa, oh, another Whoa. episode. Hey, okay. We'll get into that in another episode. Hey. Well, well, and as we get into our comeback season, it's comeback season, baby. It's That's time to tell you. Wait. No, I, Daniel, I've forgotten how to do the show. Is there something that we do prior to us talking, correct? Something we must do, G. Oh, we, you're right. It's an it's obligation. It's really not a choice at all. It's not a choice. Y- you're right. You're right. Before we talk, before I talk, before Daniel talks, before Ed talks, one man must speak. One. And, and frankly, if you don't remember, if I don't let him do this, he's probably going to do it anyway. So that's why we turn into a segment. And that segment is called... Terrell Hub's first take, and who's it sponsored by Daniel? I believe it's sponsored by Chris Usman's Knockout Automotive. Stop on by for a smooth ride, smoothie, and a smile. Sir Poppy, you're back. Take it away. Well, let's get right to it. Things I am here for. NIL <laughs> and these college athletes getting paid for something that is theirs. Their name, Word. image, and likeness. That's Things bad. that I am not here for okay. insanely rich coaches that made their money off the backs of the same athletes bitching about said athletes getting nil deals oh. it was all good when you can pay them under the table but now that it's all above board it's ruining the game scourge more like more like is ruining your power five trickle down bullshit that allows only a handful of teams from those conferences to truly compete every season this may all be a big nothing burger in the end, but the last ones that should be whining are spoiled, entitled coaches dabbing their crocodile tears with $100 bills. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that, was a, wait, Derek. that was a brief <laughs> but mighty Terrell, Ho- Terrell Hoofs. Terrell Hoofs first take. <laughs> Terrell Hoofs. I got a uh, ghost rider uh, now, dog. I'm getting this shit in. I got a ghost rider. He's getting me to my points quickly. Yeah, succinctly. Read off of. Yeah, apparently that ghost rider is named Peter L. Hoof. Hey, that was hey, that was a very good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Got, got in, got out, bada bing, bada boom. But who was I thought that would help? Segment sponsored by Daniel. Of course, they're sponsored by Chris Usman and the Knockout Automotive. Stop on by for a smooth ride smoothie and a smile. So if you didn't understand by Terrell's brief uh, and wonderful first take, we are talking about Nil, more specifically Nick Saban's recent comments on Nil. And let me tell you, they are many. They are legion. Nick Saban has been kind of making the media rounds over the last couple of weeks, and he's been taking aim at Nil. Now, he's not the only one. Most coaches have somewhat been echoing his sentiments, especially the ones previous to yesterday, basically saying that Nil is a bit out of control. It's been used to pay for play. Um, there was a whole controversy with Jordan Addison, who committed to USC recently. Um, he basically was the Blitnikoff winner, the best wide receiver in the country at Pittsburgh. His coach left. His, well, his offensive coordinator left. His quarterback left. So he's like, you know what? I'm out here a bit too, baby. And I'm going to get these deals. Unfortunately, um, rumor has it that he did that before he was in the portal, which is technically illegal. You're not allowed to talk to anybody else from the program. You're not allowed to talk to boosters or any of that kind of good stuff until you have officially entered your name into the portal. And so there was a bunch of talk about tampering and is this good for the game? And, and is this pay for play? Um, there, there had been, you know, kind of things rumblings all year, somewhat surrounding AM because of their recruiting class and the 
quote unquote oil money that is Texas. Texas AM, Texas have both kind of been getting a little bit of the 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 side eye from a bunch of people because you know if this turns into a bidding war, those are the teams that are probably gonna come out on top because of quote unquote oil money. Anyway, what took this whole thing to a new level is yesterday when Nick Saban, who was doing somewhat of a tour um for Alabama Nick to give you some context Nick Saban doesn't really talk a lot and we found out why because this man has no <laughs> filter but him and Nate Oates the basketball coach were doing some some groundwork for um sounds like for some booster activity mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. just to kick off some things with the Alabama sports for the summer um and so my man Nate Oates the basketball coach was looking mad uncomfortable as Nick Saban began to go on various rants um First, he essentially takes a shot at AM, um, basically saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling up. We'll start with his Deion Sanders thing first, because since I have that pulled up, he basically said Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division One player to come to school. It was in the paper. They bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. So that wasn't his first statement, but that's, <laughs> that's one of the shots he took. Um, to give you context on that, Jackson state landed the number one player in the country and travis hunter and there is a rumor that he that um the barstool sports guys got involved because they're also involved with Deion sanders he works with that network a little bit so there was a rumor that they gave him a million dollars to go play at jackson state which doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense and there has been no proof that that actually happened um so of course Deion sanders was not happy so that was the first that was one of the people he pissed off he also pissed off jim laranega and miami <laughs> He came after them a little bit. He said, these guys from Miami, they're going to play basketball there for $400,000. It's in the newspaper. The guy tells you how he's doing it. But the NCAA can't enforce their rules because it's not against the law. And that's an issue. That's a problem. Unless we get something that protects them from litigation, I don't know what we're going to do about it. So now he's coming after Miami. So Miami got astray. I'm not sure why my man Jim Laranega is catching, catching some straight bullets. But uh, Nick came after, after Jim Laranega as well. Um, but really what caught the most significant ire is when he came after the transfer portal. He came after AM and he came after nil specifically. And those comments are, are legion. He's like, I know the consequences is going to be difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players. You read about it. You know who they are. We are second in recruiting last year. AM was first. AM bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. We didn't buy one player. All right. But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. It's tough. Nick went on to say that people blame the NCAA, but in defense of the NCAA, we are where we are because of litigation that the NCAA gets like the transfer portal. Every time somebody wants to transfer, they had to apply for a waiver. If the NCAA didn't give them a waiver so they could immediately be eligible, they filed suit. So the NCAA would back off and give them a waiver. So they just said, we're going to make it a rule where everybody can transfer. That's how that happened. If the NCAA doesn't get some protection from litigation, whether we have to get an antitrust or whatever it is from a federal government standpoint, this is not going to change because they cannot enforce their rules. Nick Saban also said this about why paying college players is bad. This, the thing that I fear is that at some point in time, they're just going to say, we're going to have to pay the players. If we start paying players, we're going to have to eliminate sports. This is all bad for college sports. We probably have like 450 people on scholarship at Alabama, whether they're women's tennis players, women's softball players, golfers, you know, baseball players, non-revenue sports that have for years and years and years 
been able to create a better life for themselves because they've been able to get scholarships and participate in college athletics. That's what college athletics is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be something where people come and make money. You make a decision about where you go to school based on how much money you're going to make. You should make a decision based on where you have the best chance to develop as a person, as a student, and as a player. That's what we've always tried to major in. Hopefully there are enough people out there that want to do it. Um, So basically, to summarize some of that stuff into a, a, a brief pot, Nick Saban, while actively talking to boosters and telling them, hey, we need to get more money into the program, was basically ranting about how the, the college f- sports model is broken and will continue to be broken as long as nil and the transfer portal remain unchecked. What he is right about in those terms is that the NCAA basically is toothless right now. They have no means to enforce the bylaws that they they have in place for most of these things um because most of the time if they try to enforce these laws they are going to get litigated and there are people uh, especially nil uh, representatives nil agents who are ready to take the ncaa to court to court the first time a player gets suspended or or a program gets the death not the death penalty but it gets any kind of sanctions there are lawyers waiting in the wings to, to take them to court this is a highly litigious matter um, they spent a lot of money. The NCAA spent, I believe, over $25 million to try to keep this from happening, and they lost. And so now they're very, they're very toothless, and the coaches, they're feeling like they don't have a lot of power. And Nick Saban's not the only one to voice this concern, but he's the first one to come after other programs while facing this concern vehemently. Now, there was a brief thing. Eno where, Brown. There's a brief thing where Pitt went after USC for tampering, but that was specific between one player. Basically, Nick Saban just said that the whole A&M roster is full of cheating type behavior. And so we'll get to the reaction to, to that. We'll get to Dion and Jimbo's reaction. But let's let's nail this down first. What did you think of Nick Saban's original comments, you know, separate from the responses so far? What did you think about what Nick, Nick Saban said originally? And we'll start with uh, Mr. Ed White. Oh, well, thank you, Derek. Oh, yes. uh, now, <laughs> um, I originally thought that Nick Saban, when I first heard it, I thought that Nick Saban was asking this, uh, this a little bitter, <laughs> spoiled, upset, sore loser, uh, because he got second place. Again, you know, because he lost to Georgia in the, in the national championship. But I, I, I'm tired of coming in second all these years. Yeah, <laughs> notice yeah. second place losing Nick Saban. <laughs> yeah, that was like so. Nick Saban, you know, Alabama has been one of the top recruiting houses based based off of fame and success. So, yeah, I guess like when he finally loses in the in, in to a local rival or an SEC rival. Um, and then other schools actually competed well against him in recruiting classes past year. You know, in the NIL thing, he's overall a little bit bitter. And obviously, you know, if you want to bring in money in, into it, De- Derek, you mentioned it, you know, the oil fields down here in Texas. And so that's money involved as far as that. But I mean, when he has one of the, t- he, I, According to well, one of the sites I saw that he has the number two Bryce uh, Bryce Young is the number two um, player in NIL dollars right now, and so like, why are you complaining about? <laughs> what you got much to complain about, bro? To, um, to, give, to give a little slight more context on that, Nick, because uh, we didn't, ha- I didn't pull up that quote, but Nick Saban did say that he, basically what he does at his program is they have a Neil, they have a collective as well. But they split that collective money evenly among the team. He wants it to be, quote unquote, fair and, and, and balanced. And that's his deal, is that a lot of these other places are not making it fair and balanced. You know, they're promising money to recruits. What he does, quote unquote, for, 
he claims is that everybody gets that same amount of money and then the players create the value for themselves with whatever action they do off the field. And they are in total control of getting that only 25 scholarship players for Bama made any money last year off of nil outside of their little nil collective. So, you know, what he calls fair and balanced is more just the star players having to fend for themselves and getting the money and no one else really getting anything um, besides the little stipend that they get from the collective. So that's what he, that's what he considers the right way to handle Neil. And that's what he's railing against is people like what he believes is Texas A&M giving disproportionate amount of money to try to pay entice recruits to come to them over Alabama. Uh, I mean, what Nick Saban does in his own organization, what he does, but I mean, you can't really say that, other schools are giving under the table money to these students when you have zero proof for it. And so maybe these schools just want to <laughs> like the recruiting class has been the recruiters, the recruiters at AM have been pretty good before this whole NIL thing really got rolled out. And so they've been top five for the past years before then. And so if you want to talk about is this about to talk to these kids and give them a program to believe in and hopefully that they play. And so at the same time, like people go to like I said, people go to Alabama, Alabama always has a has a trust or a deep, deep team after every time a skilled player comes out, another skilled player is already ready, to, ready there to take over. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, offensive linemen, like you could look down the books. But, I mean, I guess Big Saban sees this uh, well running dry, and <laughs> I guess with this NIL stuff and – and then I don't even know that he disperse out his monies that way. But like just because Nick Saban does it that way doesn't mean that everyone else has to. And so well, that's my... to, to be clear, the, neither coach is supposed to be dispersing any of these funds. The nail collectives are supposed to be separate entities in which the coaches have, quote unquote, no access to and no way to to do it. Um, I guess he's just describing how the system works at Alabama. Jimbo, yeah, that's what well, Jimbo, that's when what he re- when he responded, claims he doesn't know anything about collectives and any of that nonsense. But we'll get to that later. D. Following up on what Ed said, what, how did you view Nick Saban's original comments as it pertains to coming after AM, nil, all the whole the whole kitten caboodle? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that was in there. I think it was almost like a 15 to 19 minute clip of him just kind of just ranting and going off and everything. It was. Um, the first thing that come to mind to me, though, is kind of sum up over, overall for everything is basically just hypocrisy over what he's going over and his points on this as well. Um, one thing I want to address real quick is. There's always it's always about narratives. I've mentioned this like quite a bit, you know, some of our other shows as well, that the narratives for sports, the narratives for schools, narratives for people in sports and the narrative that's been going around and has been for decades when it comes to college sports and recruiting is that when a kid chooses to go to a blue blood, quote unquote, like Alabama, like, you know, Texas, like USC or Ohio State, they go there because of the history the traditions because of what they did in the past is the reason why they choose them over any other school in the entire country. So literally kids will travel all the way from California to Alabama just because they are Alabama when that's really not the case. It really isn't not just because, okay, well, this is a good school or because they were good in the past. It is more of kind of what can you do for me now? Either you have the right coaching staff there, the facilities or other benefits and stuff, quote unquote, that you can offer me that maybe you can beat out other schools. So this whole notion about kids only go to Alabama because they're just Alabama, while that may help them kind of get the interest of it, what seals the deal when it comes to recruiting is a lot more than just saying that, hey, we won some championships back in the day or we won a championship recently. It's okay. well, that was then. What can you do for me now type of thing? 
So I think that's kind of gets lost because even like a lot of people, a lot of the analysts kind of mention that, oh, yeah, they get on these people just because they don't this, this that history that people love that history of going to Oklahoma or whatever. And that's why they can get recruiting classes no matter what. But now we're starting to see that, you know, there are different things that go into recruiting pitches that link kids one way or the other. Um, another part for this, too, is him kind of going down the list of, you know, this pay for play thing. And now make because this, this is happening now, the field is no longer even. The parody. Like, he, he, he's been harping on parody for, for weeks now. He's saying that there used to be a parody and equal an equal status uh, among these these college these college athletes. And now there's no parody. Um, so, yeah. That's, and, that's, and, and for me, my first thought was, I, I don't know how anybody could take him serious or not laugh in his face when he just said that, that there was just parody before this happened, because I'm thinking, OK, well, what was your recruiting pitch before then? Use your recruiting pitches that come to Alabama because I'm here. But also look at these top line facilities that are like the NFL, our nutrition program, where we can offer you for education assistance, all this type of stuff. Is that offered at every single college that plays in NCAA football? Of course not. Not every school can afford to have these type of facilities, and it kind of just builds on top of itself. You know, you have the facilities, you have the concrete, the coaches, and then you get the players. And it kind of is this a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point in time. So was it really fair before? Definitely not. And it's, is it fair now with NIL? Maybe not, or maybe it's getting more fair. I think it's pretty much the same as it's always been. Um, in terms of pay, players getting paid, I don't see any issue why they shouldn't get compensated for what they're doing on the field. And for his issue about, like you said, for, for A&M or Jackson State and, and everything like that, really it seems to me that Alabama was just behind the eight ball when it came to the rollout for name, name image, and likeness. While a lot of other programs saw an opportunity that could maybe give them a leg up, and they kind of pounced on it. Um, he, he spoke a little bit during his speech about the collective. A&M has a collective that, you know, gets together, has a fund of money from donors and such, and they kind of give it out to players and everything. Um, he was insinuating that maybe the school was involved in it. Um, the school was saying that they're not involved at all, but it is something that is at A&M or around the system that, with a whole lot of uh, alumni and such. But to me, that's just kind of just doing the legwork to get that ready for it. So if he says that only 25 players were able to get in, uh, name, image, and likeness, then I think that's a failure on their part to not actually get people in the community involved and giving out these sponsorships and such. If it's now legal to do it, then why don't you have them available for other players on your team? A lot of other schools went out of their way to announce when this was deemed legal to say that, hey, we got a program coming up ex explicitly for this. And the recruiting pitch is like, yeah, we have a program to actually we'll teach you about, you know, the ins and outs of it and where you can go and try to find stuff on your own to get this type of sponsorships and such. So it wasn't where they're like, hey, here's some money. Come here. It's like, no. But, yeah, we have a big donor base and people willing to get money. So here, go out on your own. And you can go get it. I can tell you where to go. I can't just get it for you. And that's something that, you know, Alabama, I think, is, is going to do now because that's a whole part of his whole speech. His whole 19 minutes was basically his sales pitch to his donors for Alabama to now get money to form a collective so now they can be better in recruiting. So this whole thing about him throwing stones to everybody was basically at the end of the day. He's like, yeah, this is what they're doing. It's so wrong. We do it the right way. But if you could maybe give a few more dollars, uh, we must appreciate it and, you know, get us back to winning those championships like y'all really like. So. Uh, the yeah. whole thing was hypocritical. It, it was very surprising because we hear stuff, coaches say this stuff all the time, and it's not uncommon to hear Nick Saban do a rant. He did it before when it came to the hurry-up offense, all that kind of stuff too. But I think what stood out was, like you said, him actually calling out people kind of by name, this school, that school, 
this example, Miami, all that kind of stuff too. That was kind of, I don't know where that came from. If you forgot he's been recorded or he was just having a bad day. I don't know what's going on, but that was kind of crazy. Well, the, the rumor, the rumor is that he did not know that he was being recorded. He thought he, this was the part of the, the media section where they were, he was just getting to talk unfiltered. And so you got the unfiltered unvulnerable truth. And unfortunately for <laughs> Alabama's SID, that, that, uh, that probably didn't go well. That probably didn't go well for Alabama's SID. Twenty twenty two, baby. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, they, they know. <laughs> so basically, he goes up there and speaks as an unfiltered six year old, and he's upset that somebody found out about it. I mean, here's the thing, because because they uh, Daniel uh, stole some of my thunder, but you know what? The point was made, and and that is, this was a shout out to his donors. This is a shout out to boosters. Period. It's been said already. That's what this is. These are what these this is what I think these other uh, organi- uh, these other uh, programs are doing. We need to get on board with it. Here's my problem. We got a guy that has had figured out for the last I don't know how many years of his career, 20 years of his career as a coach. The dude has figured out how to finesse the system six ways from Sunday. And I don't need to give specific examples. I'm sorry. It's just the way the NCAA and football has always worked. The best coaches are the ones that know how to finesse things so that they get the players that they want and get those players on the field for them. And, and whatever way they figured it out, they did. And now all of a sudden, oh, poor, or, oh, poor woe, uh, woe is me, you know, Nick Saban can't figure out how to finesse the NIL, which is literally set up on a platter for him. To and that, and that program to just figure it out. You literally have been told these kids can make money off of their name, image, and likeness. But yet you go on TV, whether you knew you were being recorded or not. And you know what? I'll throw Dabble Sweeney in there. I'll throw a couple of other, uh, a couple of these other coaches. I think it was Bill Self out here bitching and moaning about the fact that these kids are going to get money for their name, image, and likeness because somehow it's going to quote ruin the game, which is what or ruin. Or it's going to end college sports. Explain how that happens, because it was all good when the NCAA and these organizations combined were making billions of dollars on a year to year basis. And these kids were getting in trouble like Terrell Pryor were getting in trouble for, I don't know, trading an autograph for a tattoo or trading some memorabilia for some money or or something like that. That was the most horrible thing ever. And these kids had to be stigmatized for the rest of their lives because of, you know, a handful of dollars. And now all of a sudden we're in a position where between social media and everything that is going on in the last, you know, eight, 10 years, you had no choice but to allow these kids to do what to, to make money off of something that they were going to somehow make money off of anyway. You're going to sit here and tell me, and, and, and we kind of talked about this before we started recording. You're going to sit here and tell me that you've got a kid that can go make money without ever admit, saying anything about being a football player, basketball player, baseball player, whatever. These kids can make money on social media just by wearing athletic gear, just by being physically fit, having a set of abs, being ripped, cut all that time they spend in the gym. There are people that will pay you not because you're an athlete, but because you look a certain way, they will pay you. And you wouldn't have been able to make money off of that based before the NIL. This is the kind of nonsense I'm talking about. These are things that these kids would have been dealing with if it wasn't for the NIL. Now, we can talk about certain kids that aren't going to get deals. 
And I understand that certain kids at certain schools that aren't going to have exposure, that aren't going to get deals, you know, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But the point is, hey, guess what? It happens the same way in professionals, in pro sports. It's a lot of players on a lot of football teams that you ain't never heard of that ain't getting no shoe deals with nobody. It's not that much different. Yeah, there's differences, but it's not that much difference. Bottom line is, if you are bringing that much money to the school, if they're plastering your name and your face across the screen, every other commercial during the, the, the season. And then you turn around and tell that same kid who you used to make a million dollars off of every time his face pops up on the screen. And then you tell him that he can't make a thousand bucks, 10,000 bucks, 15,000 bucks off of the exact same thing that he was born with. Come on, man, get up out of here. Learn how to finesse the system or shut up. So we all finessed it for all these years in when when we didn't have NIL. Now that we have it, continue to learn how to finesse it and stop whining. And that's all I'm saying is th- this is the part that's funny to me because he's acting like he has no way to compete with other teams, which is the most hilarious thing I've ever heard from a Nick Saban who for years and, and Daniel said this ain't no way these kids are sitting up here going, man, I can't wait to get to Alabama. No, you were throwing national exposure for, at them for 20 years. Mm-hmm. You were throwing all that you're going to be on CBS, ABC, ESPN. We're going to have you there. And when it's time for you to go pro, everybody's going to know your name. Mm-hmm. That's going to get you in the top 10 of the draft. They've been telling kids that forever. And now all of a sudden, well, the game is just going to be destroyed and ruined because now these kids are getting money before they even set foot on campus. Like your boy uh, uh, with Bri- uh, uh, Bryce Young. Yeah, so- he got a, he got six figures plus before he ever played a game. But it's going to ruin the game. Man, get out of my face with that nonsense. Hey, Archie, Nick Archie. Saban- so, Archie so Manning's Nixon. the next one's about to make some money too. Once I he hope gets. so. <laughs> I so, hope he uh, gets paid. Uh, Archie Manning and, and Bryce Young aside, Nick, we've, we've established Nick Saban makes for a poor, poor martyr, and he makes for a poor messenger. Uh, I think we all agree that Nick. I didn't say this, but I agree with y'all. Nick, Nick Saban is a very poor messenger. Trash. But I would like to, before we move on to Jimbo bringing them them fire <laughs> in the response, I would like to ask y'all a question: Does, despite the messenger, does Nick Saban have? any sort of a point is no. the inc- no well let me get the question out fellas my god we're trying to keep it quick here we wanted to move to the next session i did not want to move to the next segment i wanted to, i wanted to <laughs> That's what you said, bro. I, I, no no i said before we move on to the next segment i wanted to talk You're about trying this. to go and no, we're not trying to go anyway <laughs> <laughs> All right, for does, Derek Edison. <laughs> does Nick Saban have not Nick Saban? Anyway, does the NCAA have a problem? Because Nick Saban isn't the only coach to actually voice his opinion. Even Deion Sanders says that the NCAA does have, you know, a quote unquote parody problem where they're going to have to figure out. Basically, he, what Deion Sanders said when he spoke on the subject is that Texas State isn't going to be able to compete with these kind of these kind of things which has always been the case you know this isn't new but now it's it's more public it's more in your face so does the ncaa have a problem with the fact that they can't enforce any of their rules um is there essentially the question that i wanted to ask you is there a right way to do this because nick saban supposed that there is a right way to do this the right way in nick saban's mind is that players come they get some piece of the pie and then they market themselves to get whatever else they can get and that is the quote-unquote right way to do it whereas 
the wrong way to do it, and he's not the only one to say this, this is the wrong way to do it, is to have a big pot of nil that that boosters can somewhat get involved with the program and recruit various kids, can get use the back channels to get a guy like Jordan Addison to get in the portal. Because let's be frank, this stuff is happening. Now it's it's a it's a case of do you care? But these things are ha- tampering is happening. Boosters are happening, and no one should be Pollyannish about this. It's always been happening. It's just a little more above board, but it's still somewhat technically illegal by the bylaw. So does Nick Saban have a point that we're in the wild, wild west, that there is no control and there should be control? Um, I would tend to say that – get it how you live, baby. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but but do yeah, you not, feel – do you, yeah, <laughs> It's the American dream, daddy. No. <laughs> But I would tend to say that, hey, man, this is how it works. You treat these games as their professional events, and so now the, your sport has become professionalized. So don't don't go in and tell me about the amateur stuff, about women's women's golf being funded by the football program. Y'all are the ones who turned this into not amateur hour. This used to be amateur hour. Y'all made it this way. So now you have to deal with some of the repercussions of making it that way. And, so, yeah, that's going to turn it into – we know LeBron James recruits Anthony Davis before he's legally technically allowed. That's going to happen now with with, with college players. We, yep. uh, we know a dude at Texas is probably – or a dude at USC probably – called up Jordan Addison and was like, hey, man, I got this kind of money. My agent says you can get this kind of money. It doesn't have to be someone who is a coach. A coach doesn't have to – Lincoln Riley doesn't have to do it. Steve Sarkeesian doesn't have to do it. Right. Uh, Quinn Errors can do it or 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 uh, Xavier Worthy or Caleb Williams. They can yeah. use their agent and back channels to do it. Is this the Wild Wild West and does that matter to you? Because that's essentially what Nick Saban is saying at the end of the day, that this is the Wild Wild West. There's no regulation and it's going to disproportionately affect – the other non-revenue sports is going to disproportionately affect the Jackson States of the world, but it's also going to, you know, affect me, baby. So, you know, I also don't like it, but he's, he's also trying to make, take up for quote unquote, the little guy as maybe some cover for what he's trying to get done. The so, little guy. Yeah. yeah the, <laughs> trying to cover for the Jackson State. I mean, he, but I mean, you I'm not saying, well, I'm not, I'm not Alabama's saying, I'm, a not little saying guy. I'm not saying it's effective, but that's essentially what he tried to do. He tried to use the non-revenue sports. He tried to use the idea that there's no parody in college football as cover for why it's bad for everybody so that he could get his points off. Now, whether you find that effective or not is, is clearly no, and I don't find it effective either. But that's clearly what he was trying to do. So the, the point being is even though he clearly has his own self-serving motives, and we've established that he's a hypocrite, that's, I don't think that's up for dispute. Is his point valid in terms of does this create a disproportionate standing for non-revenue sports and for the little guy that's only going to make the gap between a Jackson State and Alabama even bigger? Or is it just business as usual? Or is it just, hey, maybe who cares? Like, y'all didn't care when it was business as usual and the payers weren't getting paid. So now there why do you go. care now? So I've, I've, I've spoken a lot on trying to set this up so that we wouldn't yeah. move on to the next topic. What are y'all's thoughts on but, the subject? <laughs> no, no, no. You, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head at the end of that, which is I, I personally don't think Nick Saban did, nor does he currently give a shit about women's golf or lacrosse or uh, hell, even baseball. I don't think he gives a shit. Shit about equestrian. Any of them. He's the he's, average, an avid equestrian fan. Yeah, he's I wanna, using I, 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 I want <laughs> yeah. us to, to he, separate he, it from the Nick Saban of it all for a little bit, I, and more just get into if there's a problem yeah. in, in, in general. Well, it's it's weird because I think there is a there is a validity to his point, but only to an extent, which is it's not going to make it any worse than it already is. Like I don't personally see that 
I don't see any there's going to be any further suffering for those or uh, for those uh, sports that are further down the line than there is now. Like I just don't see that being the case um, because it's more so on an individual basis with these kids. Um, these people that are paying for you know these NIL deals, these companies, whatever they are, they're making that choice ultimately. Now, I would rather you bring everything to light. This is how it works. And if a year or two from now you say, okay, these are the tweaks and the changes we can make. Cool. So there is some validity to what he's saying in regards to that part. Um, I just don't think he cares about those other sports. But I will say there is some validity to it from a standpoint of it can look to somebody on the outside looking in like it's a wild, wild west and all these teams are just doing whatever the hell they want to do because they can just figure out this NIL thing and give somebody a bunch of money. Um, There is some validity to that. But at the same time, you let it happen for a couple of few years, figure out where there's some shortcomings, and then you can go with some real information and say, hey, we should probably fix this. Because what we had before was fuck them players. They're going to go to the NFL and make a bunch of money and they'll put their mama in a new house and a new car and good for them. But at, while they here, we're going to plaster Gatorade and Poulan weed eater and all this other bullshit all over every bowl game they play. And we're going to make all our money. And if they do, if they make 10 bucks or get a free dinner somewhere, we're going to throw them under the bus because we don't want to actually throw the boosters under the bus that's giving them that shit. So now it's like, you know what? Put it, bring it all out to light, and then you can make yourself look like you actually care about the the um, uh, the integrity of the game and the sport and the NCAA by saying, "Hey, we saw this. We think these are shortcomings. Let's fix them." So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 very little bit of validity to what he's saying, but I don't think it's enough that he looks like the good guy. He's still a piece of shit. <laughs> I brought it back to saving. <laughs> I, I would have to agree with. Uh, Terrell with the Wild West. I mean, it does kind of feel give you the Wild Wild West feeling with this NIL thing because I mean, it's a race. It's a race to the bit or who's going to give the better offer. Um, but I also agree with the fact that hey, that NCAA is going to look at this and be like, okay, <laughs> here's what the shortcomings are. And like you said, two, three, five years later, you have a new version of the NIL, and it will be it will be another new world from that aspect I mean, right, right now it's, it's something new and so no like they don't really know how to control it or how to regulate it currently and so yeah the, well, the schools it's not that they don't know how to regulate it it's that they don't have a way currently to an effective, to, yeah, an effective they, way and i don't yeah. well that's an issue as well yeah but i and still the, think and, that comes from time and they well it to them then more comes from federal legislation they think that the federal government needs to step in and give them the protection against being sued so that they can enforce these laws. Um, so, you know, you, we can tie all that in too. Do you think that the NCAA could use some federal protection? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't, but that, that they're, they're saying right now that they don't have any way to enforce their rules, which is correct because once they do again, they are going to get sued and they'll likely, they'll likely lose based lose, on the precedent yeah. that has been set. Yeah. But it's like you said already, like we're like in the NBA or in a professional level, there's tampering, that just doesn't get announced. And so like all these under the table deals are just no longer to be under the table. And so that's probably what uh, I'm sorry, but that's what I just think is just going to go happening. It's like, there's no longer that like the under the table, there'll be more over the table deals with yeah. these student athletes coming out of uh, high school or going to college as far as the recruiting aspects of going into the school. And so then it just kind of falls onto the, 
boosters or the alumni of each individual school and uh, and the communities around them to try to help out with getting some recruits. And so at the same time with Tuscaloosa, uh, College Station, Austin, UC, USC, UCLA, all the, I mean, the, if you want to bring athletes to your, to your program, going to have to shove up some money or show up some sponsorships, which is basically, I, that's how I feel about it. I don't think it's like uh, he has a little validity, but I do kind of feel like it is a, a very wild, wild West feeling I feel to it now, but that's just how I, feel. I just don't think he didn't <laughs> say, obviously it's not the right uh, messenger for this thing. If someone better for it had to, had that message, it didn't sound like a, like Terrell said, a six-year-old child crying to his mom and daddy because he didn't get a new toy in, in target. Uh, Yes, that'll be fine. Not, me, not, but. not Ed getting the Target sponsorship in. Uh, <laughs> appreciate that, sir. Shameless plug is what that was. Shameless. Jesus. Yeah. But yeah, all right. Let's just be real with it, though. Let's, I'm going to go ahead and break it down. So this concern from break it down then, Dan. From, from the coach, from other talking heads and other coaches out there about this is going to ruin parity within college football. This is, this is the thing about it for a sec. Okay. The last few champions since the playoffs started, even before that, I think it's been maybe like a handful of teams that even make the playoffs, let alone actually win the championship. So was there really much it was parity less be- than 10 less than, yeah, less than 10 for that. Was there really yeah, much like parity? Eight, eight teams. I think overall have, have been, we can have, go back yeah. decades about who's been winning the championships in college football. And it's really been like a revolving you know, carousel of the same few teams, almost like Game of Thrones type of thing. Like those top houses have been kind of just who's going to be on top, who's going to be on top. Some do it multiple years or whatever. But has it really been parity within college football? Not so much. Um, being able to pay players may have may affect recruiting, you know, direct people to different recruiting stuff and affect that as well and be a detriment to the smaller schools. Before NIL, I'm pretty sure it was like the same handful of teams that were in the playoffs also were at the top of the recruiting charts as well. Um, it, matter of fact, I think Alabama and Georgia for quite a while were one and two for almost like four, five, six years in a row. Yeah. But th- yeah. there was parity though, right? Um, I think like maybe the top five teams in the recruitings, I think it's been about the same one too for the past few years as yeah. well. But hey, we don't want to mess up that, that parity though. Because we need to get the little old schools out there like Jackson State, the other schools out there like, you know, the Texas Techs of the world, a chance, their chance at the number one recruiting class, their chance at the playoffs, their chance at, you know, being the champions. Come on, let's just keep it real. It, look, life isn't fair. Business isn't fair. And college sports are not fair. And honestly, to me, if a change that could happen to actually make it more fair across the board, wouldn't it be to limit NIL? It would actually be what he said we shouldn't do and just go ahead and pay the players. Because the reason that there's so much parity within professional sports is because there's a limit to how much you can pay them, and there's a cap for every single team. So that keeps it balanced in terms of how you can build your team, and you have to strategize about that as well. Because if it's going to be to where we can just basically go out there and recruit whoever we want and let the players choose, there's never going to be parity because there's going to be other factors at play there. So unless you can give every single school that plays college football the same facilities – the same education programs, the same nutrition, the same every, the same student body, the same coaching staff or whatever. It's not going to be parity within college football. So, again, narratives, fantasies is what they've been feeding people. And I know why, because it's easier to sell to, you know, the average fan about, yes, this is pure. What, how come you should watch college football over NFL is because they're play, doing it only for the dollars. They're spoiled. You know, they don't care about the game anymore. But this, this is like when you're back in middle school or high school playing Pop Warner. We pay just for the love of the game. The love of the game. 
it's that, but with high-end athletes now, like at the top, top, top of the level, right before the NFL, you can come see that right here in college football. But that's really never been the case. People are saying that it's going to be the it's the Wild West now because you know you see money going at, uh, this way and that way. Newsflash: It's always been the Wild West. That's always how it's happened. There's been there's been top players transferring from schools to USC, Alabama, Ohio State since forever. That's been going on since forever. So this this notion that now is getting out of hand, it maybe it seems that way because now we can see it more because we have Twitter and it's in your face now and people are announcing it that, oh, I'm going here because of this deal or yada, 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 this rumor about what I'm getting paid over here. So in that case, maybe just say, okay, well, we don't want people to announce that stuff. Maybe that might make you feel better, you know, maybe you can sleep better at night. But to mm-hmm. act like this hasn't been going on for years yeah. and generations, it's ridiculous and kind of disrespectful i think that they assume that we're this dumb that we don't understand that what's been going on there's been rumors about it now and now it's being confirmed because now it's legal and these schools seem to be really good at getting this money out i wonder why they probably had years and years of practice of doing it right and now it's just much easier for them to do it so you know what it's not even about nick saving like like you said d it's about just the overall sentiment that you know this is just ruining everything and this is why you shouldn't play the players and I'm like, this is how everything has been always. So if there's only going to be two or three teams that are going to win championship every single year, then let the other kids get paid while they're playing ball. They have See, nothing else to play for. They're not playing for a there championship. There it is. Come on. You know, they're you know, still going to play for championships. That's the funny part. He's acting <laughs> like he's not going to be able to play. They're not going to play for national championships anymore. Here's That's the thing. That's funny. Nick, Nick Saban, and I feel like last year for sure, like Nick Saban, Alabama has really got into the college football playoff based off of being Nick Saban in Alabama. Like, he's the only two-loss team, two lost team in the past two years to make it mm. into the, in the, in the college mm. playoff, if I'm correct. Daniel, you can fact-check me on that one, or Derek. But he's the only yeah, two-loss team to actually make it. Yeah, just throw, reckless, just re- throw reckless stats out there. And <laughs> do, your job, it. do your job, D. Do your job. I'm pretty sure he's correct. Like, he made it last year on, as, with two L's, yeah, and he was the only but one even to do if, it. From a philosophy standpoint, Everybody knows that Alabama can make it to that champ- to that playoff with two losses mm-hmm. and pretty much nobody else can. Mm-hmm. But but let's talk about parity. Well, uh, tell me another team other than I, well, I was, in Alabama that gets two L's and goes. Well, I was, telling, I was telling I was telling Daniel it's a self-fulfilling. The SEC is a self-fulfilling pros- prophecy because they get the top recruiting classes. So then they get the benefit of the doubt because their level of play is supposedly higher because they get the top recruiting classes. So it depends. So their argument is, well, we're the best conference. Well, yes, you're the best conference because we, we don't have a system in place to expose if you're actually the best conference. So the only way we can do it is by talent. Well, you have the most talent. Why do you have the most talent? Because you have the most apparatus in place to get the talent because you care the most about it. There's no just there's no denying it that the South cares the most about football, college football than any other. I don't know to say the Ohio State and USC don't care, but they don't care about it like Alabama care about it, baby. They don't care about it like <laughs> LSU care about it. They don't even care about Texas ain't won anything consistently in, in damn near four decades, but they think they're the bestest program to ever lay eyes on programs. So it's like they, they you there's a level of care that the South cares about. And so it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy in the SEC. Like, well, we have all this talent, so we must be going through the hardest schedule. So we deserve it if we get into a two-loss team. But I have to say, it is nice to have Davidson on your side. It's actually very nice. <laughs> Daniel hit the exact nail on the head that I wanted to hit on, which is the equality bit. And we've said this before, but I just want to make sure we make it very, very clear again in, in the new era, <laughs> the new styles. We get going back up again for season, I think this is season three, that 
it's never a problem with equality or no one ever cares about equality until the black people start getting something. That's all. So now all of a sudden, equality mm-hmm. is necessary. There have never been equality in the NCAA in any way you want to measure it, whether that be players getting paid under the table, which we know has happened. We know they've been getting benefits under the table. We know people have been sanctioned for these things. We know that programs run it this way. There's never been parity from a winning standpoint. The NCAA is probably the least parity-filled place that you can imagine. And that's saying something because the NBA exists. It's about the same four or five teams rotating since Alabama became Alabama. It's basically just been Bama. Like it used to be at least it was USC, Florida, Texas every once in a while, and OU every once in a while. But since Bama just kind of ended all that, it's basically just been Bama and like a random team every once in a while, like a Georgia or an LSU every once in a while. Yeah. Other than that, Nick Saban going back to back and yeah. three and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, they the, factor into the, every single the, playoff. Uh, Nick Saban winning like it's like it's the segregation era. <laughs> That's how much non-parity yeah. it is. Nick yeah. Saban winning like black people ain't on the field. That's how yeah. much there isn't parity. So yeah. whether you want to look at it from a winning standpoint, from a dollar standpoint, from a from a whatever you want to look at, there's never been equality. There's never been parity. And Nil was never designed to create parity. That is a false. That is a false statement. That is a you're comparing. You're asking it to do something it's not designed to do. It's designed to let the free market work, and it's working quite well. it's working quite well and notice that the people don't like it because when the free market the one thing i'll actually give daniel we always get in our rants about capitalism when capitalism is truly left unfettered it tends to favor the little guy a little more than you'd expect but the big guy don't like that so now all of a sudden we need equality we need guardrails in place oh it's not fair that uh bryce young is making more than 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 softball player x why why is it not fair that Press Young is making yeah. more than softball player X or offensive lineman? The coaches are salty because A, they're losing control. B, they're losing control a little bit within the locker room because it is human nature for these things to affect humans. Bryce Young getting paid more than his offensive line, that probably doesn't always sit well. Now, I'm not saying specifically that's a problem at this Alabama, but it can become a problem. Coaches don't want to deal with that. We, we know they don't want to deal with this quote-unquote distractions. So this forces them to do their job at a higher level. Um, and they don't like that. <laughs> they like they like be having the easy road. And Saban is probably the most stark example of a coach basically mm. being like, I liked when it was easier, man. Why can't yep. it be easier for me again? And so all of a sudden, now we got to talk about equality. Oh, we want equality. I don't think you want equality. Because if, if you wanted equality, or if you wanted the capitalist system, you'd want this. This is equality. Everyone has the same chance to go get the dollars that are prescribed to them. But you want to put guardrails in place, which makes it less equal. The NBA is less is it's it's less equal in the NBA because people have guardrails that they can't they can't get above. So you know what D? What, what was a good, a good way to have equality? I think in college sports is how about we have some revenue sharing when it comes to these TV deals? Because mm. you know SEC. Boy, we make that bank when it comes to yeah, TV deals. We make your bank year after year, hand mm-hmm. over fist, baby. But these other schools, the other, these other conferences, not so much. So instead of that, then, yeah, you get your deal, you get your deal, and then we'll get the double A involved. We'll put it in the pool and then poof, break it up to everybody. So, yeah, yeah. Right? Check, that, check, that, I'll make it fair, right? Yeah, check your own pockets. That's a good point, D. Get it. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm MLB do that. That's what most professional leagues do. Yeah. Because that's how, they, that's how they, quote, unquote, create parity. 
Because by doing that, we're not paying the players anything. It's not affecting the players at all. At that point, just the schools themselves, right? So now you can have more money to buy the facilities, have more money for the nutrition program or whatever. It's money for maybe NIL. So why not do that? Give up, give from yeah. your own pocket to make a change and make a difference. That we have that parity. That way we bring it down and we're all on the same level. But that he didn't mention that though. Well, I don't, or no one's mentioned that really. I don't, and that's and that's why you can tell this is not about parity. It's not about equality. This isn't. This is about control because this stuff isn't affecting them now. SEC still making hand over money, hand over fist. They're not. This money isn't coming from them. There is nothing that is affecting the NCAA, the SEC, the Big 12. None of this stuff is affecting the bottom line for them. Nope. This money is coming from pe- other people's pockets. They in other people's pockets. Like, hey, yeah. we don't want your pockets to be <laughs> to be lighter. Keep that nah. money in your pockets. Like, nah, stay out of my pockets. They want dog. these kids. And, and hung- if you, they if want you- these kids hungry and broke <laughs> because they feel like that makes them play better. Well, it's I, a lot it's, of it's people a better that story, can, too. Yeah. A lot of people that complain <laughs> apparently it seem is, to complain. Ed, it is. Yeah, no, no, you're it right. Is. It a lot of the people the, that oh, have been oh, complaining oh, about it, like the people that I've come across in that conversations that are actually complaining about NIL, I, it's interesting because they tell on themselves without trying to. And what they say is, well, he's, gonna, he, he's probably going to come out and half-ass it now because he's already getting paid. And I've heard that a bunch of times. And it's like, well, say, throughout, say, throughout, it with your, say it with your chest, though. I, I want to I say something because I was actually going to make this point. You, you've kind of set me up perfectly for it, which is I love to pod, man. I love getting it here every week for, for, with y'all and podding. You know what would make podding easier? If I was getting paid to do it. You know what would make the product better? If all I had time to do was pod. If I could just pod whatever I wanted to. Nah, if bro, I could you just, can play sim, bro. Yeah, you know, it's you like, you know, you know when you get better at your job? When you get paid to do it. Yeah. <laughs> As, I, and so no, don't nobody do it for the love of the game more than us, baby. And I can guarantee <laughs> you, if we were to get paid, we'd be a lot better at it. Yes, we, we could dedicate all our time and resources to making this the best, po- best podcast possible. So the idea that not paying the players is what keeps right. them. Oh, this is what keeps them yeah. motivated. Oh, it's like, have you ever watched a professional football game? Do those people look unmotivated to you? They really don't look unmotivated, <laughs> but only black folks are the ones that get some money. And all of a sudden we don't want to work no more. Like, the fuck? what? and that's exactly tied back into the capitalist point. They there's this narrative and Daniel touched on it perfectly. There's this narrative that once you pay black folks or once you pay people of, of color specifically, they get complacent. They get mm-hmm. they they get they get lazy. Don't nobody else have this problem with money. And so, like Terrell says, they they tell them themselves a little bit because don't nobody else in the narrative get money and suddenly oh well they don't want right. to work anymore. But let black folk, let people of color get money, and all of a sudden it's like oh well they're not doing it for the love of the they are lazy. It's like it's like no maybe <laughs> it's like maybe you <laughs> just need to reevaluate how you think about people because most people like to do their job if there's something that they love to do mm-hmm. and whether they get paid or don't don't get paid for it they like to do it. But it sure is a lot more easy to do it when you get paid and so you yeah. get become even more effective at it but yeah, let them tell it about the nonsense so i i interrupted you Jarrell, but i just wanted to get that point no, no, about that was my point though that was my point though is that i feel like a lot of the people that are saying that stuff are telling on themselves because they're talking about these black players and if we give them money they're not going to have the incentive to come out there and give their best and i'm like 
I need somebody to explain to me why black players are the only ones that apparently don't get, don't do their best when they have money as a motivator, because I've never grown up with anyone like that. (laughs) I've never met said black person that uh, money is not a motivator for him. Uh, Having it, uh, getting more of it. uh, I don't understand where that concept comes from. Um, So, well, there's this old, there's this old saying to kind of counteract a different old saying, which is, which is like money can't buy you everything. And then there's a saying that kind of came out afterwards that said, you know who says, you know the people who say money can't buy everything? Rich folk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because poor yeah. folks sure don't sure don't think that money can't money can buy you some stuff. Like it can't it can definitely it can, help. Yeah. Quite a bit. Money can pay rent. It, it, money it can might, pay a car note. It, yeah. it, it money might, can pay it for might, gas. It might not buy you happiness, but it'll get you halfway there. You, right. you gotta do you gotta do some of the work yourself, but it, yeah. it, it'll it'll fill in some yeah. of the gaps. Yeah, but... money will do its role. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, before, before we move on, I also wanted to mention one one more thing that uh, Nick had said is uh, Nick Saban had said um, his, his concept that you know kids shouldn't go to you don't go to college to make money. You oh, go th- there thank for, you for education. Bringing, yes, thank you for bringing this and up. for having you know that experiences and such. And I'm like, wait, wait. So yeah, let's touch I, on. I, that I wanted to ask all your dads. Like when we all went to college to get the degree and stuff, was it? I, for me, it was to try to get more money at some point in time. Get a better job. The sooner the better. Yeah, get the better job. But apparently right. that, that shouldn't be our goal. It should be just to the love of learning and the experience of being on campus are the reason why. Right. And that right there is where he went off when he can't pay back a student loan because he didn't make yeah. the money. I don't. But. That right there is where the biggest Nick Saban honk was like, ah, get off right here at this stop, sir. Yeah. Because he did. He sounded so disingenuous when he said that shit. And it was mm-hmm. like. Bro, See, I, even I, your I, staunchest I, supporters are like, Fuck. I actually, <laughs> I actually disagree from the standpoint of I actually do believe that Nick Saban believes in the love of the game thing. I think he has part, been part of the system long enough. He has a certain worldview that I do think he believes that there is something that is being lost. Now, does he also believe that Alabama is being affected? And that's the most that, that's his most pressing concern, of course. But I actually do somewhat find him to be genuine about the idea that the college athletics, the romanticism of it, oh, it's being lost. And and while I don't agree with it, I, I do believe he, he believes that genuinely. I just think it's also tied. I just think it also happens to be that, oh, but Alabama also lose a little too. So I think that's his most pressing concern. But I do think he has a little bit of the romantic, oh, for the love of the game. Oh, a college sport should be about purity. And you should go to college because that's what, that's all that old white people stuff anyway is for you to go to college for the, for the I'm experience. I'm sure he's somewhere in one of his the, lakefront houses in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, well, it's this idea. It's this, it, it's, yeah. it's this narrative in life that you should have to struggle before you before you get which quote unquote yours it's this idea that you have to go okay, to college and you, and, you, and you should be eating you should be <laughs> eating uh sandwiches made from mud sandwiches until you earn your right to make the money it's it's why we have internships that are unpaid because you should you should have to work your way up by your own bootstraps to before you can get this money and that's exactly how nick saban daniel's quote that he quoted from nick saban that's exactly what that kind of stuff sounds like. It's like you don't come to cost to make money. The, 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 that's what I came to cost to do. <laughs> I didn't go to I didn't go to struggle. If I could make money and be in college at the same time, for damn sure I would. <laughs> There's nothing about college that says, 
on the line that is dotted that you need to be poor while you're doing it. And everybody else has the ability to try to not be poor while they're doing it. I don't understand why college athletes should be expected to try to be poor while they're doing it. And even Nick Saban will admit some of the game that he's like, well, I, I they should get some money. I just think we should, uh, you know, we need to regulate it and such. But <laughs> even he won't go that far anymore as to say that they should be poor. But in those kind of statements that Daniel brought up, he kind of tells on himself a little bit of what he thinks college should actually be about. It should be about young people knowing their place knowing their role and shutting up <laughs> and, and and doing what they're told until they earn the right to to be respected and to get money and it's nonsense it's nonsense so i'll ask you this though d do you think that nick Saban has always had this you know pie in the sky idealism about what college football is um or was it maybe because now he has this machine that is alabama he can kind of he can afford now to kind of sit back on his laurels and kind of have the daydream because he may not have had that same mindset way back when we was coming from what was it like UMass and trying to work his way up. And, you know, other people have mentioned that he hasn't always been as saintly as he has been portrayed in the media. Yeah. I don't, I certainly don't think Saban's some kind of saintly figure, but I will say having been exposed to more of his press conferences, I don't think that Nick Saban is a fraud in the, in the conventional sense that he is. I don't think he's like a shoe salesman. Right. I, I think he believes, I think he believes some of his own hype. Right. And so, like, when I say he's in, he's being genuine, I don't mean that, like, oh, what he's saying is so altruistic. I don't think he's altruistic, but I think what he says, he believes. I don't think Nick Saban says things he doesn't believe. Now, those things also line up with his, his wants and narratives, and he is <laughs> absolutely being a hypocrite, but people are hypocritical. People do that. People, people say things that they believe in, and then they do the opposite. And some of that is human nature, and some of that is, you know not but i believe in this situation nick saban's being a hypocrite but i don't think he's doing so with the intent to i want to choose my words carefully because i do think he was trying to rally up the base so i don't want to act like he wasn't trying to get the monies and rally up the boosters and all that but i do think he does hold some of that ideal of some of that pollyannish nature of of college football of, oh back in the day when it was just so much better because the athletes were just so it was so much purer oh i do think he has some yeah, i think he went down a drain i think he genuinely believes Miami, i think he, he genuinely believes a little of that <laughs> that's when that went down the drain that well, one year he was with the Miami Dolphins. That's when that shit went down. Didn't realize he like, had to deal with grown with grown men and their oh, own ideas. Oh, and oh their you own you, agendas. you yeah. can't just talk to grown men any old way. Oh, I didn't know. Uh, As Urban Meyer, what happened? <laughs> yeah, well, I only brought that up to you because you know some people who have known Nick Saban in the past have said he's not being genuine to kind of how things were back in the day. Oh, he's for sure not. And I, I and Nick Saban's Nick Saban's it, it's weird. Because I don't, I, I, I just, it's, it's weird. Nick Saban is a complicated figure because he's definitely a gruff, grumpy old man, but he also has this weird charisma about him and you can get swept up into it. <laughs> so I, I want to make sure that I'm not getting swept up into the, the, the charisma and the world building and the narrative building of Nick Saban. But I do believe he has some ideals that are just old school that do coincide and happen to align with what he's trying to get done right now. Like he's found this sweet spot that no one really believes, but. I think for him, he's found this sweet spot of, oh, I can say this and this this backs my ideals because, you know, that's what people do. They'll come up with their ideas and they'll fit it into their <laughs> they'll fit into their ideals because they, they have to. That's how your mind works. So I, I do think there's a little bit of that. But I and, and for that to exist, he has to believe some of the some of the things he's saying. But he's also, you know, like you've been pointing out, he's also not some <laughs> he's definitely not. I don't I wouldn't even say he's Deion Sanders. Like Deion Sanders to me comes off as someone who actually is kind of doing this for the love of the game and to rebuild something. And he kind of has a little bit of that old school mindset, too. Um, 
he just is actually believes it. So it's, it's, it's even more genuine when he says it. And he's actually kind of putting more, his money where his mouth is because he could coach a lot of different places and he's coaching at Jackson state. So it's a little different when Dion says it as opposed and he's an athlete. He's, he's been through it. Nick Saban hasn't been through this in, in the way that Dion says. So, so yeah, I, I get what you're saying. You mean and, and, Nick and didn't not- play like cornerback back in the sixties for some all white Catholic school. But he did. Nick Saban absolutely played quarterback yeah, in the sixties. He, he played DB. Yeah, so it's it's actually actually what he did. I, do. I mean, I just he he looks he looks like a DB. Like I'm serious. Like I'm mm-hmm. I was literally he, guessing. I just mean that he didn't do it on the. He didn't go yeah. through college and right. He and, didn't and go the, through that. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't go through the system that Dion went through. That kind of right. gives him a little more ability to be like, hey, I've done this, so I know what what's there and what's not there, and et cetera, et cetera. And and so let's because I we're. we're rapidly running out of time we spent a long time talking about saving which was fun but i wanted I to talk you, about- I, I, I hit you with a segue bro you did and you then, uh, and twice. then yeah, yeah yeah not twi- <laughs> twice it was twice what yes oh. that's something that came back again but like yeah i'm just saying that <laughs> you know some people that anyway. knew him in the past <laughs> have said things differently oh oh I, you know you're right i was like i was looking to get a rebound <laughs> and you threw the oop boxing out <laughs> I, I, was, I was boxing out and that ball went straight up you're like what are you doing i was like i'm looking to get the rebound homie. <laughs> show did go right over my head anyway i wanted because you know we wanted to talk about the systematic issues but we always like a little a little mess Oh, <laughs> did it get messy? Mm-mm. Oh, did it get messy? So, D, your boy Jimbo had to cap back with some response. Jimbo and Deion Sanders. We haven't heard from my man Jim Laranega. Poor man, caught a stray. He probably on his couch, like I'm about to retire in a couple years. Why am I catching <laughs> strays? But Deion and uh and and Jimbo, Jimbo held a 10 minute press conference that was just filled with hate. Oh, it was delicious. Oh, mm. it was so, it was so tasty. Jimbo, just a 10 minute press conference of t- putting putting Nick to shame. Dion has tweeted a couple of things out as well. Um, D, w- w- give us the, uh, the old what for on what went down with, with Jimbo and Dion's response. And then there's been some other responses as well, but we'll start with Jimbo and Dion. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem with, you know, kind of speaking your mind unfiltered when you don't think you're being recorded, but you are being recorded, then it gets posted online, is that usually the people that you're talking about they don't take too kindly to it, which is usually the reason why coaches use coach speak to where they kind of are very vague and such. Because when you call somebody out, they feel a type of way about that, you know, as fellow coaches. And that's definitely what happened with Texas A&M and, and Jimbo Fisher. Um, I'm pretty sure early this morning it made it to his desk and he was irate to say the least. He actually <laughs> went ahead and called an emergency press conference at mm. 10 a.m. to address mm. what was said about oh. him. The <laughs> as, as someone who works in this business, when I saw that they called it an emergency press, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> and it did not disappoint. <laughs> it did not disappoint. Now, obviously, he started up, he started all fired. He fired up the, the whole time, but he started with his normal stuff you would expect. You know, he kind of came out and refuted what was being said. Um, he defended the school, defended the coaching staff, uh, the kids as well, the, the students. Uh, he even apologized, saying that, you know, I'm sorry we have to address this yet again, because I think even, I think uh, at one point in time, Lane Kiffin had said something before and he had to come out and speak about it. He apologized to the kids because basically saying that what is going on right now, the fact that what Nick Saban said is basically saying that these kids and their families are basically, you know, committing crimes, committing fraud, or, you know, committing things that were against outside of the regulations for college football. Um, so you kind of got into that, you know, you know, Jimbo is a player's coach. So that was his first and foremost. But then it got kind of personal. Um, he didn't leave it just at that. He didn't want to just only address what Nick Saban had said. He went ahead and addressed Nick Saban, the person. Um, and he definitely let it fly. Um, 
I would kind of just, you know, do a quick summary here. At one point in time, he called him a narcissist. Um, he mentioned yes. how, you know, in college football, he's held up as a deity, a God, you know, so to say, yes. but he didn't mention that oh, if people really knew about kind of what God had going on in the background, we mm. maybe wouldn't think the same. He then referred us to, you know, his former staff, throwing people on Nick Saban's staff and to kind of talk to them about, you know, his dealings back in the day to get the real story. Um, Jimbo Fisher, Jimbo Fisher mentioned that he had opportunities to join Nick Saban's staff after he had left the first time and then turned that down for reasons that he didn't go into, but he was alluding to shady business. Um, I think he even had the quote of the day of the, day of, of the whole thing was saying that he went to a coach under Bobby Bowden to learn what to do. And he didn't go back to Nick Saban because, you know, he kind of taught you what not to do. Um, so he definitely was letting it fly left and right. And there was really no love loss. What was going on? He even mentioned um, during the conference, because they were actually asking questions after he got done with this rant about, oh, well, you know, has Nick, you know, tried to maybe talk to you about it? He's like, oh, yeah, he gave me a call. He's like, oh, well, what did he say? Well, I didn't answer. It's like, are you going to talk to him? It's like, nah, nah, that's done. That's over with. <laughs> He said, you're basically, you're dead to me. And mind you, this is, you know, you probably hear it all the time on, on the sports media or whatever thing, you know, Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, this was, you know, his friend, mentor, all that kind of stuff. Apparently all that's dead now. And that's kind of what happens when you kind of run your mouth and talk about yep. people in the media and, you know, basically calling people out saying that they're liars and cheaters was basically what yeah. Jimbo says. Like, yeah, he's been calling me a cheater. He's calling me a liar. I most people don't like being called that. Jim Fisher definitely, definitely doesn't like being called that. He's like, you're playing with my name now, with the name of AM, with the players and my coaches, and now it's personal. So there's you know, definitely bad, bad blood there now, and I don't see it getting resolved anytime soon. Jim, Jimbo said two things, D. First thing he said was, all that challenge shit's over with. <laughs> In response to their relationship, he said, all that challenge shit's over with. But he also said, Keep my program's name out your motherfucking <laughs> no. mouth. Hey, and Nick, period. And, and, and Nick was hey, like, but yes. But, but it was just, it was just an yes. idea. Keep my program's name out your motherfucking, motherfucking mouth. mouth. <laughs> yeah. Hey. <laughs> and what's funny is this, like, um, and, and I think Daniel brought it up earlier. Well, he didn't know he was on the mic. That makes it even worse. Because that means that this is the shit he's saying about somebody that's been his friend for 20 or 30 years. Yeah. This is shit that he's saying to people when nobody's listening. But then he's in his face like, yeah, we, won't play. we go back, my guy. And so it's like that made it even worse for me is that you didn't think you were being recorded when you said it. And so you mad because of that. Like, really? Like, that makes it 10 times worse. Um, it's. It's wild to me because it's like to call out individuals, schools, particular players, even though he didn't call the player out by name, but it was kind of obvious because he's a number one recruit. Mm -hmm. Like to to go and start naming names when you're sitting on a perch that really no coach of any program has really ever got to when you talk about like football in the last 60 70 years in college football when you sit on that perch and you're sitting there and you're complaining about what other teams are doing one team was eight and four another one <laughs> one team's eight and four the other one is not even in the same league so to speak as you you know and you're complaining about this and you're naming these names and then it's like i'm so glad that jimbo went at this dude 
I'm so glad that Dion went at this dude. And Dion is alluding to like there might be more. Like, like he, he, the way he's alluding to it is like, remember these dudes did an Affleck commercial together. Yep, yep. I know that's, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a approach it from an angle that I know a little bit more about. These dudes did an Affleck commercial together. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not two dudes that ain't run across each other. This is not a dude that's at a small school HBCU that ain't gonna never play Alabama, or if they do, it's gonna be like some kind of hey, let me get this money and get and get dragged on the field. This is literally two dudes that obviously have been in the same room that have worked together in, in some capacity. And you're going to call that man out. And you're going to call out his, his his program out. And you're going to call out this player when realistically you, you could really throw out an olive leaf out there. And let's hear what, uh, you know, how about this? Let's hear what Nick Saban has to say about HBCUs and, and, and recruiting. Hmm. But instead, you got to come out here and you got to you got to try to throw that situation under the bus. So I'm glad Jimbo Fisher went after him. I'm glad Dion went after him. I hope old boy from uh, uh, Miami goes after him to a to a lesser extent because he just kind of, you know, threw some numbers out with Miami. I hope so, because realistically, this is one of those things where it's like, I don't know about y'all, but I'm 46 years old and I've had a couple of situations where we've had family gatherings and a lot of dirty laundry came out and a lot of people was yelling at each other. And I remember being a little kid and being like, damn, like I didn't even know my mama talk like that. Sometimes this is the kind of situation we're dealing with right now. We might just need a bunch of coaches to just start going at each other like, yo, well, first of all, bro, when I was on your staff, I know you paid X, Y, Z a million dollars just to come and gave his mama a car and gave his daddy a house and you ran it through some fake bank account. Like we we might just need to have that happen. We might just need to have it. And it, and it needs to be done in the worst way possible, which is through social media. They just need to be on there on Twitter. Just like, hey, bro, remember that time when you paid? That's what needs to happen. And I think Jimbo kicked it off because Jimbo came out there and just started basically just I'm talking about shade, salt, sodium, everything, <laughs> grenades, smoke bombs. He threw everything out there and I and it needs to happen some more. It really does. And I'm telling you, we talked about it earlier. Nick Saban should not have been the messenger. And this is why for Nick Saban's purposes, he should not have been a messenger because no matter how he felt about it, somebody else should have piped up. If that's really whether right or wrong, somebody else should have piped up because he's the one that's still sitting in the, in the catbird seat every damn year because he's the one that regardless of what his team does early in the season, they end up in the national championship picture no matter what every single time. Mm-hmm. While we sit over here and fight over why Cincinnati was undefeated and they, and they barely you know, eat their way in, or we had to actually have a discussion at some point. Somebody had to have a discussion about whether they should even be involved. Little stuff like that is like, nah, man, you're not the messenger for this. And Jimbo, in a sense, would have made more sense to me. I know he probably, based on what he said, uh, you know, uh, on the matter, probably would never have been the guy to come out and bitch and complain about it. But that being said, he would have made a much better, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, um, a man messenger messenger for it dion would have made a better messenger for it because he's speaking on behalf of like hbcus who we know (laughs) really should be having an opportunity to get some of these young players that you know some of these players got parents that went to these hbcus and these kids get up and go to alabama the second they get a chance when saban knock on the door Mm -hmm. 
and yep. their parents then went to these HBCUs and they can't even convince their kid to go to these HBCUs because these HBCUs ain't putting them in a position. Mind you, a lot of these parents got money. They got their own businesses. They lawyers, doctors that went to these HBCUs and they still can't get their kid to go and play football at these at their alma maters. So, I mean, you know, some of that is business savvy and some of that is is, you know, just, hey, you got I'm gonna let you do what you got to do. You're a grown man now. But that being said, those are the people that should be complaining about these NIL deals and whether or not they're having an adverse effect on the game. Not the guy that's been figuring out for his entire career how to get around the rules in order to get the players he wants. Nah, man, it's not a good look. What I loved about Jimbo Fisher uh, coming out or like stepping up and coming out with the immediate press conference as soon as he <laughs> as soon as he got wind of what Nick Saban has said is that he held nothing back. And so, like, Jimbo, you can see the passion in his eyes, the passion, you hear the passion in his voice, you can see the passion in what he was saying. But he, like, like Terrell and the day of both said, like, he just let it out. And so it's like, why are you going to call, why are you going to try to put my team on blast? That's because, one, we beat you in recruiting, and you're worried about us beating you on the field now. So you just want to go ahead and try to put my team on blast, saying that we bought my team, bought my players, calling out my 17-year-old kids who are mm. 17 years old, just mm. trying to take care of, have opportunity to take care of their family right now, and you're trying to call them out. Like, nah, nah, <laughs> like, nah, Nick, <laughs> stay stay in your lane. Get out of my business. Worry about your house is what Jimbo basically was saying. And then um the whole comment with, when the question, when the reporter asked me to reach out, that actually made me laugh. That's what I enjoyed the most about it. That's what I knew. It was like, oh, yeah. Is that, Bama, is, is, that the, is that the point where you knew you had to put Jimbo Fisher as your background on this podcast? Is that when you knew to Ed? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I, I saved it for when we started talking about it, man. At least I, at least I waited. At oh, least yeah. I waited. Hey, yeah at least. Jimbo <laughs> came out like Tupac. Jimbo came straight Jimbo up, came man. Out, Jimbo came out like Tupac, man, when he heard when he heard uh, who shot you. you know For real. But even <laughs> then, like, real. first off, I like what Dion did too, because he defended he's defending his small school and his small program, who's really all taking off taking off flight. And so, really, what Dion Dion Jimbo both did really defended. I felt would defend the little guys. And so like the UTSA programs out of here who are developing, growing, growing the program here in San Antonio, the Texas tech who is still in the big 12, but still like when you compare to the other, other schools that were in there, a small school. And so like, uh, I just, you know, and I'm kind of biased because, you know, Aggie love, but I said, Jimbo, yeah, I, I don't Jimbo know that. Deserves. I don't know that we need to be positioning Jimbo Fisher as the little guy. Dion came up as what I said was Dion spoke for the little guy, for the little schools yeah, out little there. Guy when he, he stand on his wallet. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, nah, Jimbo ain't got no little guy. Jimbo, not a little guy. But Dion definitely stepped up for the little guys as far as the little programs out there. Well, let's, well, let's let them know what, what Dion and Travis Hunter said, because they actually both replied. Travis Hunter is the uh, number one player in the country who Nick Saban implicated as getting a million dollars to go play for Jackson a million, State. A million, a million. And so Travis Hunter actually had actually a pretty funny, but yet stark line on this. It's actually... A little sad as well. Um, I got a. He tweeted out, "I got a mill," laughing face emoji. But my mom's still staying a bed in a three bedroom house with five kids, laughing face emoji. Um, Dion doubled down on that and was like, "I don't even make a million dollars." <laughs> That's what Dion added to that tweet. It's like I'm not even making a million dollars. So how's he making a million dollars? Um, Dion also. Hey, yeah, Dion like- also said. <clears throat> 
Uh, Travis ain't built like that. Travis ain't chasing a dollar. Travis is chasing greatness. Travis and his family don't get down like that. They never came to us in search of the bag. They're not built like that. The kid wants to be great. He wants my hands on him. He wants me to mold him. He wants me to be his navigational system through life. He wants to be that dude. Um, Dion also said things in regards to Nick Saban. He said, I haven't talked to Coach Saban. I'm sure he's tried to call. We need to talk publicly, not privately. What you said was public. That doesn't require a conversation. Let's talk publicly. <clears throat> let's let's talk publicly and let everybody hear the conversation. You can't do that publicly and call privately. No, no, no. I still love him. I admire him. I respect him. He's the magna cum laude of college football, and that's what it's going to be because he's earned that. But he took a left when he should have stayed right. I'm sure he'll get back on course. I ain't tripping. Ah! Um, in Dion's original tweet, he also said... <laughs> I will address the lie Coach Saban told tomorrow. I was awakened oh my by my God. son that sent me the article stating we paid Travis Hunter a million to play at Jackson State. We, as a people, don't have to pay our people mm. to play with our people. And so that's what let's Dion, go. That's what Dion and Travis said on the on the subject, which I mm. I, I found I found hilarious. Mm. Dion taking him to task and saying you took a left when you should have stayed right, my man. <laughs> and also, hey, don't be calling me with no private apologies when you were speaking on me publicly. Uh, I enjoyed nah, both of those statements. Yeah, like, well, but, but you know what? Best point he made. Yeah, the disrespect you, you, was public. You're not gonna put me on blast in public and then call me privately like, "Yo, man, my bad." Nah, bro. I need to hear. I need to, you to have that same energy. I need you to have that same energy. Hold a press say, conference. Hey, man, I, I got out of line. I got out of line. Nah, that, that's a lack of respect for HBCUs. That's a lack of respect for Dion as a coach. Um, and he, a continued lack of respect for the players, realistically. I mean, it, it's if you're not putting, if, if you're not leading my team to national championships, I, I don't really care if you secure any kind of bag. Like, and that's, and that's the vibe that, that, Saban gives off and you know I it, it, it was real you know he he tried to be cute and not mention Dion specifically but come on man anybody that got black dads and uncles no that going well as soon as we realize who you talking about you're not finna play that well I wasn't talking about you specifically no 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 so I'm glad he I'm glad he put him out there like that. And I'm glad he told him that, like, now nah, you need to go ahead and have the same energy you had when you put me on blast. Go And you lied, <laughs> which is a word we don't hear enough when it comes to people that are in the public eye. We don't hear enough when people just flat out say, nah, you're lying. So I'm glad he put it out there that way. And, uh, you know, I can care less if if um, I can care less if Nick Saban apologizes to anybody. As a matter of fact, I say if you say it with your chest, you need to stick with it. Also, before we let uh, Daniel and Ed get back in on on this, can we just point out just how salty and and rightfully so, but how salty A and M was about these comments because their uh, a yeah. yeah no because a, their <laughs> ad came out and was and said yeah. there are sportsmanship bylaws in the SEC. Mm-hmm. We believe Coach Saban violated those bylaws. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows Neil is here to stay. We've embraced it. We mm. we have all the tools and technology. We are educating our athletes and boosters. There is all kinds of awareness here. The part that is frustrating is to say Neil is the only reason kids mm-hmm. are choosing our program. That is hypocritical, mm. and I don't know why we are the target. AM has a huge former student base. The Aggie network is strong. We've rebuilt Kyle Field and joined the SEC. I guess people don't like AM disrupting the power base of college football. So basically, 
uh, in 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 front of the public eye and behind closed doors, the Texas AD, the Texas A and M AD, is trying to get Nick Saban's hand slapped for yeah. violating the uh, SEC bylaws, which is hilarious to me. He's like, "Yo, no, you're gonna have to come <laughs> off of some punishment. We want action, baby." Yeah. Especially yeah, after you ain't gonna just be out here putting my name in the streets. It's it's, it's strategic to me though. Oh, it's because, very strategic. Because, because, well, because, also because, because Jimbo did the same thing. Like not that not, yeah. not that he wasn't warranted, but he did the same thing Nick Saban did. He fired back in the same way. So if the bylaw was not, was violated, Jimbo also violated the bylaw. Yeah, Nino yeah. Brown. That's, that's definitely true. But I think the why I say it, it's 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 smart, strategic, and calculated is that if you know Nick Saban said whatever he said, and they're like, oh, I'm just gonna ignore it and kind of do our own thing. Well, the narrative's out there is gonna gain gain traction, gain steam, and kind of to be out there for forever. But by addressing it the way Jimbo did and the way the AD did as well, now it puts the onus actually on the SEC itself to be like, hey, he's saying this stuff. I know y'all saw it. Usually I, I wouldn't say anything because he's the golden boy, the golden child. But now we're calling you out publicly that, yeah, this is against the bylaw. So you have to say something to respond to it. And they did later on respond to that as well. So they slapped hands for Nick Saban and also for Jimbo Fisher as well. Um, what's out to me, though, um, was actually the the way the responses were done by Deion Sanders versus Jimbo Fisher. Because, um, you know, Jimbo Fisher was just cut fire and bench type of thing. And and Deion kind of let him down, you know, with grace in terms of kind of, you know, slapping him, saying, hey, you stepped out of line. But, you know, there's still some love for that, too. What well, I think that's interesting, though, is I actually do think that he wanted to have the same reaction as Jimbo Fisher to get on, you know, like a, a, a conference or an emergency, you know, conference to kind of go over it and, and, uh, and kind of just maybe just break them over the coals. But as we know, things are different when it comes to being at a Texas A&M versus a Jackson State HBCU sure. versus being a white male versus being a black man in America as well. So you don't want to come off as being the angry black man. So he kind of had to do it that way. I'm not saying that he may not have done it either way, you know, regardless, but I think for him, he kind of had to take some time, think about what he's going to say, and then come out in that aspect versus Jimbo saying, like, hey, get me in front of a camera right now. I got something to say, type of mm-hmm. Hamilton type of thing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, thought, thought that was interesting. And also another thing, too, is I'm, it's also funny that a lot of these older coaches and older people out there that are in sports media are now falling victim to social media when they're getting on a lot of young people for falling victim social media. Why well, I said that is because they asked Nick Saban where he got the information from about the deals that were happening at Jackson state about the deals for A&M. And do you know what he said? I read it. I read it in the paper. I read it. I read it online. That's where he got the information from. So he didn't have any type of inside source or heard from a student or whatever. He just read it and assumed it was correct. And he just ran with it. Mm which is basically what they tell you not to do for social media, right? Just basically mm. what you see out there, don't believe everything that you see. To me, especially with the Jackson State thing, from what I've heard so far about what the deal was, it really is just him going there and they're going to do like a documentary about his time at mm-hmm. Jackson State. And that could eventually make him some money that maybe could at some point hit a million dollars. But it's not like here's a million come here to the school. Right. But it's interesting that they don't want to actually do the research to find out what actually is in the deal. They just jump immediately to, oh, this outlandish thing that I've heard. This is, you know, just hype media. So I'm going to go with that. And this has to be true. Wherever happened to journalism, people actually doing some research and actually saying like, hey, this is actually kind of cool. They did this for this kid at this smaller school. This is how it's going to get done. This is why he chose this. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with him choosing to go somewhere else. But let's look, look into why he did it. They don't care why. They care that he did it. Yeah. And that, I think, is a failing for sports media for us as fans as well is that no one's really asking why he did it and has an interest of it just learning just to know it's just that oh he didn't do what we wanted him to do or expected him to do so it must be wrong something must be afoot something has to be you know illegal going on some type of tampering or whatever yeah, no one cares about why someone did something there's a little a bit of institutional racism in that is tied into yes. that because it's like 
Well, no one he could never go to that school of his own volition. Why would right. he ever choose to there you go to go to Jackson State of his own volition? There has to be something nefarious right. afoot because there's no way he would torture himself by going to an HBCU of his own volition. So yeah, yeah I mean it, it doesn't it doesn't fit the narrative in your head in their head to be like, oh yeah, he went there because maybe the future right. promise of money, which is a Deion Sanders, one of the best DBs of all time, teaching you and NFL mm-hmm. dollars, but also you know maybe this this deal with the with the with the movie that could lead to money. It, it couldn't be future earnings. It has to be something more nefarious than that. Yeah. But it and also he, feels like he's just afraid to to have to compete. It's like okay, I've been competing with X schools for my career, and I know I've competed against these schools. Oh great, now I got to compete with HBCUs too. It almost feels like that's one of his complaints is that I got to compete against Georgia. I got to compete against Texas A&M. I got to compete against Texas, so on and so on and so on. Oh, great. Now I got to compete against an HBCU because, well, I can't say to a kid, hey, Alabama is a historically black college. You should play here. Like, I can't say that. Is he concerned that kid that will start becoming a, fa- a factor? that these kids are considering because that's what it, that feels like some of his sour grapes are over the fact that, you know, it's like, Oh, I, I got to compete against historically black colleges. Like, what am I going to do now? Like, dude, you're still going to get your players, but it feels like that's part of his grievance is well, that well, he doesn't want to have another batch of schools that he has to compete against from a recruiting standpoint. Well, we, we saw how Florida state reacted when, because we, we had, we were not doing pods when the Travis Hunter thing went down and the way that Florida state reacted, like Dion had betrayed their trust in some mm. form or fashion, the entitlement from, went there. Let's just say, let's just call a spade a spade. The entitlement from white America is unreal mm. and they mm. feel like they're entitled <laughs> to these players. And now yeah. that Dion might be getting some of these players and mind you, it was only like, it was, I believe it was just the it was just a couple, right? D? It wasn't. Just, it was Travis Hunter. There was like one more player who, who they got that wasn't like obviously as good as the number one player in the land. Yeah. But but it wasn't. It wasn't like he had like the top recruiting class in the nation. Or anything. He got a couple <laughs> of players, right. and, and and that was it. Um, and so but yeah, they don't want the, it to start. They don't want it well, to be one player because they think it'll turn into ten and, and then it, twenty. And, and, and it very well could. And it very well could. Ed, you've been trying to get in here, man. Let Yo, me let one you thing, on in. <laughs> one thing about Travis Hunter, he, he did sign an NIL deal with a uh, black-owned coffee business in um, the location where Jackson State is at. So that's where that's part. Of, that's one thing to add with Travis Hunter, along with the movie deal that possibly could join money, but he is currently making money now with that coffee uh, company. But uh, it's like what y'all said. I want to bring, I want to try to touch in on that uh, racial, uh, is the, the institution of racial of racism when it comes to these HBCUs and uh, these black, black players being um, quote unquote, basically owned by the university by, Hey, we're giving you a scholarship. You don't have to pay for school, um, but go out there every Saturday risk your body for 13 games a season. Hey, may, maybe after or 26 games, and then maybe after your sophomore year, you may be good enough to go and play professionally, make more money. But it's, it's ridiculous how, like y'all said, how very privileged or very uh, hurt white people get when black people start being more successful or black-owned businesses or black-owned mm-hmm. or historically black colleges start becoming more successful and uh get, get or getting wins i say i'll say not even more successful just getting w's like travis travis undergoing jackson state that's a w for historic black colleges it's gonna go is and yes there's probably there more than likely will be a snowball effect from that and yes that is a good thing for 
football, HBCUs, and it's a good thing for football, and so and especially college football. Hey, you want to talk about parity? Let's get these different players going to different schools, smaller schools, smaller programs, and build up those programs to get the like James Bay Michigan, the nutrition uh, specialists, the new gyms, these mm-hmm. new stadiums. So that's they don't how have you to know play. Bu- that's how you know the argument's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they don't have to practice at high school football fields or high school stadiums and all that stuff. And their locker rooms get very nice and all that. So yeah, man, this is. Like I said, Nick Saban sounds like a six-year-old child crying about a toy that he did not get in a certain store. <laughs> there you go. So, so let's let's move into the to the final phase of of uh, of the program. Uh, Bro, you make me work tonight, man. I was yeah, off. this is Where's a, my this, paycheck. This is what hey. I, I simply said, I simply put a message. First off, a little behind the scenes. Terrell came to me and said, I got to get these takes off, baby. <laughs> I got, I need, I need a pod. I got to get these takes off. I was actually like, mm, I, I think we're going to take another week off. I'm going to tired. <laughs> and Terrell was like, nah, baby, we got to get these takes off. And so I simply put in the group, who's trying to get these takes off of Terrell? Terrell was like, we're going to do a two-man pod if we have to. And I was like, yes, hey, sir. We're going to rip that Band-Aid off, bro. We were just going to Emergency pod. And, and so this is emergency pod. It goes however long it goes. And <laughs> <laughs> we back and we 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 pulling out all the stops. Three three part pod. No, um, but it's not a three part pod. It's all in one pod. Well, I just meant three. Yeah, don't, don't lie to people. Yeah, there. yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I three second <laughs> pods. Three, three second. Se- thank you, thank you. Three <laughs> second. How, how I used to be the producer. Well, what has happened to me? Now hey, as, man. Now as my producer, no. I'm coming for it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're the only you and, you, you, up. you and Zip are the only one getting consistent reps on my feed right now. So maybe that's why I'm so rusty at this. Uh, you and you and Zip, the only people like let it be. Let the people tell it. It'd probably be the H's for Hell feed. They're like, well, oh, that's the only pod that's on this damn feed right now is H's for Hell. So anyway, for the final segment, <laughs> I want to talk about Nick Saban's response and some of the honestly weird responses to Chimbo's response. Um, the aftermath to the aftermath, if you will. Um, and so first we'll start with Saban. Um, he did apologize uh, publicly to Jimbo. First of all, I should have never really singled out anybody. That was a mistake. And I really apologize for that part of it. But I'm not against name, image, and likeness. I think it's a great thing for players. I think the issue in college athletics in general now is the whole system of collectives. And people are raising money to basically pay players, whether it's to come to their school or pay the players that are on their team. We've always strived in college athletics to make everything, well, here he goes again, make everything the same, whether it's scholarships, whether it's cost of attendance, academic support, whatever it is. Now it's not really that way. This has happened in basketball. It's happened in football. I really didn't mean to single anybody out. I apologize for that. But it's the whole system. Is this a sustainable system? Is it really good for college football? I think name, image, and likeness is good for college football. I think the focus now is getting a little bit more on how much money players can make while they're playing and where they can make it. And I don't think that's really a good systematically, that's really good systematically for any of us. I really wasn't saying that anybody did anything illegal in using name, image, and likeness. I didn't say that. That was something that was assumed by what I said, which is not really what I meant, nor was it what I said. There's nothing illegal about doing this. It's the system that allows you to do this. Um, Nick Saban also went on to uh, say Jimbo can say whatever he wants. So this is specifically talking about Jimbo's comments. Jimbo can say what, what he wants to say. We've known each other for a long time. He's worked for me and is a very good coach. And as I said, it wasn't my intention to single anybody out, but I don't think that, but I don't take things personally. Some people, when they compete against each other, everything's personal. I never been that way for me. 
it's never been that way for me. B- Bill Belichick and I are best friends. We are, we were in the same division for two years in the NFL when I was in Miami and never had an issue. Nick Saban. Wow, he named uh, Chuck Bill Belichick. Okay. Why you even slapping you around every year, <laughs> Yeah. So, well, and so he also went on to say, um, but other than that, I don't have any regrets over what I said Wednesday night. A lot of people are silent on using nil to pay players to go to school, but you know it. At this stage of my career, I'm not worried about what people think of me. So a couple of other people have come out in somewhat in defense of, of Nick Saban and against Jimbo Fisher. Um, as Daniel mentioned, the SEC commissioner, uh, Greg Sankey, came out and said the membership of the South Con- Southeastern Conference has established expectation for conduct and sportsmanship that were not met last night nor today. A hallmark of the SEC is intense competition within an environment of collaboration. Public criticism of any kind does not resolve issues and creates a distraction from seeking solutions for the issues facing college athletics today. There is tremendous frustration concerning the absence of consistent rules from state to state related to name, image, and likeness. We need to work together to find solutions, and that will be our focus at the upcoming SEC spring meetings. As a result of public comments made on May 18th by Alabama head coach Nick Saban, a public reprimand is issued for comments he made in violation of SEC bylaws 10.2.3 and 10.5.2 related to ethical conduct for derogatory comments and public criticism of another institution's athletic program. Uh, And that is the end from Commissioner Sankey. Chris Fowler noted ESPN uh, play-by-play man uh, came out and called Jimbo statements uncalled for uh he basically said uncalled for he got off course there jimbo was right to say that he's nothing he's not cheating on this there's they're just gaming the system when you claim to have no knowledge of what a collective is everybody knows what a collective is that was the unintended consequence that was always going to happen when you get into nil the idea that you're going to pay somebody a few bucks to endorse a local business forget that the collective is real not a lot but certain schools have them and more will have them so i understand jimbo getting upset when it was implied that he cheated they didn't buy players they just brought bought them within the framework in the system he struck back jimbo's a feisty guy he'll strike you back it didn't surprise me. He feels he, that he's at equal terms with Nick. He feels he's one of the few coaches that isn't intimidated and feels that he can swing freely at him. And he did, but I don't think he covered himself in glory to be honest with you. And then Booger McFarlane also came out, which was probably the funniest statement to me of the day in terms of not making really a ton of sense as Booger is wont to do. Jimbo has got maybe the greatest recruiting class ever. And right now he hasn't done anything with it. AM hasn't proved anything on the field yet. They've proved they can build tall buildings. They proved they can build a great recruiting class. But have they proven they can get 11 wins and win the SEC? Have they proven they can get to the SEC championship and go play for a national championship? Uh, but has not. he has not proven that. I would worry about that and stop worrying about what the greatest college football coach of all time says because you're not going to win social media with Nick Saban. You're not going to win a war of public opinion. He's got something that you don't have. And so the only way you're going to win this fight is to go beat Nick Saban. Which technically like Nick Saban. Which is is something he's already done. He technically has already gone and beat Nick Saban. But but anyway. Also Saban got Twitter fingers. (laughs) Also and, and also me and Ed were talking about this before the pod. 
what do you, it's like, what do you mean he hasn't done anything with recruiting class yet? He literally just got it. That recruiting <laughs> class has played zero games. Like, what is he supposed to do? He's supposed to win the offseason? Like, I don't understand. Like, I mean, if he's supposed to win the offseason, he did. Well, that's what I'm saying, but like, is he supposed to win an offseason championship? Like, they yeah. haven't played yeah. games. He's like, well, yeah, what, have you, what have you done with your big recruiting class? It's like, I don't know, bro. Yeah. They've, they've been on campus for like three like, months. Yeah. I got him in the building. That's what I did. That's all I can I do right now. I've done the most I can do with this class at the current time i got them through the spring semester some of them so like that's what i did i got them through without getting kicked out yeah. of college right now so yes they're i've done enough right now so how, we'll see how, what we do come uh fall so how do meet we feel, me in fall how do we feel about a nick's apology which was funny he's like i didn't accuse him of cheating I, it was funny i had i'm gonna get off track for just a bit, brief second i had this debate among my my uh, co-editors today where he was like where one of the guys was like, well, he didn't accuse them of cheating. And I was like, there's very little semantical difference between accusing them of cheating and saying they bought every one of their players. Like, that's right. that's a very small disti- – like, yeah, he didn't go out and say they cheated, but you're not allowed to buy every one of your players. That is right. basically tantamount to a- accusing them of cheating. Uh, so the idea that Nick Saban tried to also fall back on that logic was comical to me. Like, I didn't accuse them of cheating. No, bro, you did. You accuse them of cheating. It's kind of like what Terrell was saying. If you're going to say it, say it, bro. But don't yeah, try to say it tell with me. Your chest, man. Don't try to tell me you didn't say what you absolutely said. I read it. I know what you said. I know what you were implying. Like, I'm not a child. So that was that was funny. But what do we think about Nick Saban's quote unquote apology? Uh, some of the people wrapping themselves up in, in the Nick Saban brand by coming to his defense. And then, of course, the SEC commissioner um, kind of reprimanding both sides but mostly Nick Saban but not also I mean, not really doing anything <laughs> I mean I mean it, it's apology he had to make but I feel like it has really little to no impact at all because of him basically doubling down during his apology about what he said before basically he's like yeah I, I know what I said I still believe that I just shouldn't have said y'all's names so basically you meant what you said about us you just regret that it got out that you mentioned A&M and that you mentioned Jackson State so is that really an apology at that point in time I, I don't think so and I'm sorry I got caught, Daniel. God damn it. <laughs> basically, it's what it is. And, I mean, the damage has already been done. It seems that, you know, Jimbo's already drawn a line in the sand, and I don't think that's ever going to get repaired. Um, Deion Sanders, he's a professional, though, so he may still do the commercials and stuff, but I think that's also been damaged. Probably he's going to get that money. Well. He's, he definitely gets money, yeah, because he's going to do it for himself and get for that the money. school he'll as well. So commercials. Yeah. He'll do it for the, for the publicity. But, yes, sir. I, again, I think he's – Nick Saban just is showing people who he really is. And I know people are coming out to defend him because of, yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much the greatest coach in the history of college football. Does that give him just carte blanche to say whatever the hell he wants to say? Hell no. Like, he can't just come out here and just, you know, just pretty much rant on all this kind of stuff. Basically, the stuff he's trying to say, he's not, he didn't believe himself by the collective. He knew about the collective. He said he didn't know about it. And his points are just hard to defend. So if you're going to do that, then it's hard for me to take your side and give you the benefit of the doubt just because you're a good football coach. Like, this isn't about coaching football. It's about the environment of football, the stuff around football, everything but actually playing the games, which we were talking about. So you don't get to be to have, you know, just be bulletproof in, in terms of saying the stuff about that because, yeah, you're good at coaching it, but now we're learning that maybe you're kind of kind of shady when it comes to stuff outside of actually coaching football. And now we're learning more about you because you kind of opened up the can of worms because you came about you came to somebody about you know them personally and they did it back to you. And when he did it, not a lot of coaches came out and said that, oh no, Jimbo's wrong. Like, come talk to me. I can tell you, tell you that he's been clean his entire career, like mm-hmm. nothing's been kind of shady. 
people are kind of like, oh, I'm not going to say anything publicly, but I'm definitely going to go out there put my neck on defend it because it's kind of true. So mm. it's kind of, you know, eroding a little bit the shine that Nick Saban has. I'm sure he'll be able to retire eventually in time to still, you know, be remembered as legendary, but not so much as you people thought before it had him, you know, on the pedestal high and mighty because, again, he basically just doubled down on what he said before and the damage has already been done to me. And stuff like, you know, Booker McFarlane basically just, just saying random stuff. It's it's whatever. And from the stuff I've seen from people trying to defend him, it's basically just like, oh, well, you know, he's a good coach, so he can say what he wants. And that's all it is. Like, people are actually aren't defending his points or they're saying that, okay, yeah, well, kids shouldn't get, shouldn't get paid. And that's basically the argument, too. And it's like, okay, well, that's also a faulty argument to me as well because there's nothing to back up why they shouldn't receive any funds at all. So, yeah, I don't think it did him much good. He had to do it because, again, the SEC came out and the way it makes him look, it made him look kind of crazy. So he had to say something. So at least, you know, now his fans say, oh, well, he apologized, so he's good to go. So I think he's good with his fan base. That's really all he cares about. Same thing with Jimbo Fisher. The reason why he came out so, you know, hellfire was for his fan base, and he got that accomplished as well. So they did what they need to do, but I don't think that Nick Saban came out on top in terms of this exchange so far. Yeah, I just – it was it, – I've said what I've said. It, it was funny. Nick Saban is a funny, funny guy. Like, he's got some funny ideas. The people who are just kind of wrapping themselves up in the winner's flag, I thought we were kind of past that point in our – and how we cover people like, oh, he's a winner. So wins. Yeah. It's like, it's like, that's not really how that works. Um, even Chris Fowler saying that um, I didn't think it was hilarious that Chris Fowler called out Jimbo for pretending like he doesn't know what a collective is, because I absolutely do not believe that Jimbo Fisher does not know what a collective is. So that no, was, he didn't, he didn't say he didn't know what it was. He said he's not involved in it. He said he knows there is a collective uh, well, at A&M, no. but well, I, I, he's not I, involved in it though. Well, I also don't believe, well, I mean, he technically has to say that. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to do too much hand slapping on that but i i don't believe that chip fisher is not involved in just like i don't believe nick saban's not involved in this i, I, I believe i believe they're both not involved because i don't think they're deni- pl- possible deniability I, you don't I, know I, the amounts you don't know who's in there you just know that hey we have a collective so the players that you want to recruit send them this way and we'll handle the rest for well, you. i think i think it's a bit of a semantical argument and in, in the idea that they're not involved. yeah they're not handling the day-to-day and they're not getting the numbers and all that stuff they're they're for all intents purposes not involved but i think they're involved i think they're I think they know what's happening. I think they know what's going on. Like they act like they, yeah, but, they act like, they act, they, but the way they frame it and they want to frame it that way, they act like they're separate from it. Like they don't know what's going on with it. They but know that's, what's that, going. That's that, that's legally how it has to be, though. Oh, like I they know. Even, they even had like yeah. an attorney they interviewed about this. Well, like yeah, the way A and M is set up, there is a collective for sure. And yes, the people, the boosters are a part of it, but the coach cannot be the one throwing out numbers and whatever Correct. like that because Correct. And I don't, and there I don't has to be that separation between it. And I don't believe Jimbo is, is going on. I don't believe Jimbo's going into households and saying, hey, this is what the nil will get you because that's illegal. And right. I don't think Jimbo's stupid. I don't think he's he's going to he, – I don't think he wants the penalty, the death penalty. I don't think Saban does that either. And I think that's why Saban gets away with being like, oh, I run a clean program. But if you – but I do believe there is legal – involvement within those collectives the all oh, shucks i don't know what a collective thing that they both are trying to portray in the media i don't know what this thing is, is. is. Yeah. oh my god is uh, a gym uh, bag that i got yeah. 38 bucks in it and gym yeah, bag. i, I, I don't i don't i, I, I want to be clear i don't think they're cheating i don't think either one of them is cheating i just think no. they know what they're supposed i just think they know what's happening and they they both act like they don't which is the funny part to me i the way jimbo has always phrased it is he's like oh there's some nil thing over there and I mean, we don't we don't get bogged down in it because I mean, but from what I've seen from his quotes and stuff, and also when he was talking in his interview as well, he knows what it is and what it's for, 
and use it as a recruiting tool saying that, yeah, we have this that teaches you about NIL and all that kind of stuff too. And a part of that is the collective where they actually offer this stuff. So I to me, if the way he's phrased it, he doesn't feign ignorance. He's like, yeah, it's a thing and it's a good thing. Now, do I know what all goes into it in terms of the numbers and such and with businesses and everything? No, I don't need to know that, but I know that we that it's out there. So if you come to AM, that's something that you could take part in if you I just think give it the right people. Type uh, of thing. And this isn't Jimbo well, specific. I just think all the coaches are a little overextending themselves and how much they want to separate themselves from the nil. I think they're going to they a little to legally though. I, but no, I'm not, again, I'm not saying like they're, I'm saying like, they're always like, Oh man, this nil thing. They, they go a little too crazy. With, it's and, and, the and, end and, of times. <laughs> they just go a little too crazy with it. Like you can, you can understand nil on a deeper level than they're pretending they understand. Yeah. Nil on. And I think they, I think they both, like I know they're not in the nitty gritty because they're not supposed to be, and I don't think they are. Like, nah, but it's throwing out dollars. Chucks, nah, but they, they, they both, they, and, and they both do it. And I, I and I've, I've, these I've, kids that I'm just a regular old guy, just like he. I think we have lost Brother Terrell in this kitchen. <laughs> I think the all shucks was a bridge too far for his computer to handle, and so we've we've lost Brother Terrell. But I, yeah. I we don't have to we don't have to belabor the point. I, yeah, I just, it's, it's I, back semantics. I just, but. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's I just it's always hilarious, and I've I've thought it's hilarious all year. And Jimbo has had to say it the most because he keeps getting attacked. So so I've just heard him say it a lot, but the way he portrays it to me is is funny. And not and again, I don't want to act like it's just him. It's everybody. Whenever whenever Lincoln Riley talks about nil, it's like it's like, bro, come on, bro. You don't have to act like you've never heard the word nil before. You can you can you can know what nil is. Like, oh man, nil? Oh, what's that? Oh boy. Sure wouldn't know what that is. But um, so it's just funny. Um, and so I, I don't know what you got it. That, that, I, that before that that, that they weren't doing that like might be. And so I th- th- thank you for returning. <laughs> yeah, Terrell's like, I'm getting this joke off, baby. I'm back. I'm getting this joke off. Ain't had no bag on in Neil. I tell you what, now <laughs> you bought them daddies. So anyway, pro- yeah, you bought their daddy a tractor, and they were on your team the next week. I'm gonna get you a tractor for your farm now. What is happening? Get them crops I, I, ready. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, this is what this is, I, I I did. This this is my fault. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is how they used to do it, man. That that daggum nil, man. I tell you what, social media. I don't know about all that stuff, man. Why is everybody boom Howard? Why? Daddy attractor. <laughs> I don't know that everybody's boom Howard. I, for I, I, I think it's just Jimbo who's boom Howard. I don't know that. He just had that West Virginia accent though, for sure. <laughs> So D, you were you were I cut you off in the middle of your your Chris Fowler points. I just thought it was hilarious. Chris Fowler calls that man out for not knowing. Oh no, I'll I'll finish on my points though. I was basically just saying that you know Nick Saban ended up doubling down, and people coming to his defense didn't really add much to the argument. Just saying that hey, Nick Saban is a winner. Let winners win. (laughs) And I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) Also, also, I I love people pretending like we got to be respectable about things or whatever. I don't even know what the argument is. Like people are like, this didn't serve anything. It's like, no, nah, it was fun. It's like, no, nah, it served. Some yeah, stuff. no, it, it definitely. <laughs> it, this, this, these are the dog days of college football right now. There's not much going on in recruiting. There's no games being played. They're not even back for summer workouts. Yeah, there's nothing going on at all. But when I found this on the message board for AM about what Nick Saban said and then the emergency press conference, I was like, thank you, Lord. This is awesome. And I think everybody <laughs> is thankful for this as well. It's going to add more intrigue. Uh, October 8th when AM plays Alabama, I think it's gonna be uh, obviously a really big game. So 
I, I was win win for it's win win for college football, really. I, I was asking for Sarkeesian to get in. I was like, stick your nose where it doesn't belong, Steve. Just get yeah, into just, it. Just, <laughs> just, just throw your nose out in there, buddy. You're gonna get beat by Alabama anyway. Might as well have some fun while you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was asking for more. Like, if you're not the Alabama SID and or Nick Saban or the Texas A&M SID and or Jimbo Fisher. You don't have to pretend like we clutching the pearls and like, oh, what did this do for sports? This was amazing for sports. Yeah. Sports was great today. Mm-hmm. I had, I wasn't at work. I was off. I had the most fun with sports I've had in a long time. This was amazing. <laughs> I don't, so we don't have to pretend like it was bad. It wasn't bad. It was great. It was. I want more. <laughs> more drama. I, I'm still thirsty for some drama. <laughs> <laughs> So I, yeah, I always I thought that was funny. It's like, oh well, I just I don't understand why Jimbo would do this. It's like, uh, because someone called him a cheater publicly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, Jimbo went too far. It's like, no, nah, J- Jimbo brought the chopper out. Nick thought he could play with him. <laughs> Jimbo, Jimbo was like, oh, I got bodies, homie. Don't forget, I know where the bodies be buried. <laughs> that was so, the best part. So I do want to ask, do, do you think? At the end of though, do you think Nick Saban actually got what he wanted out of what he said though? Because obviously, I think his overall goal was to get some more money from the boosters. So, do you, do you think he did enough to rile them up to maybe give them like a pretty big boost in terms of funds and such? I mean, I don't. I uh, honestly, the funniest part about this whole thing is I don't know that Nick Saban, like, yeah, he was trying to fire the boosters, but like, I don't know that Nick Saban had a purposeful goal in this in terms of anything meaningful happening because the Alabama boosters are going by Alabama booster no matter what and uh, maybe he got a couple more shekels by framing it the way he framed it yeah. but I don't know that he got enough shekels to warrant the the trouble that he gave himself today but at the end of the day does it really even matter the trouble that he gave himself today like all this stuff is kind of window dressing around a product that is the off the fall when games will happen we'll have some troll tweets after the games and stuff and it'll be fun and we'll all get our pound of flesh i know we'll get our pound of flesh at on three we'll get our our little fun with it and so <laughs> yeah do it for the brand um i'm sure they loved me mentioning their name on our podcast of which i've cursed a thousand times anyway <laughs> but yeah i don't know i i don't know that nick saban really had that big of a goal i think he was talking a little too unfiltered in a situation where he thought he was protected um and yeah a little bit of that was to uh, he was requesting funds like uh, we all know that we've all said that and, and so like yeah the goal i guess was to fire up the base but i mean he could have done that without this and i think the base would have been just as fired up to the to the to the mostly the same extent so I, yeah i don't know that he got anything out of this which is the funniest part to me is that i don't think he got pretty much anything out of this and so it's just drama for drama's sake which is why he's this is why he's mad because he's like, I, this is unnecessary for me and my program. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I got nothing out of this. And <laughs> it's like, I, I, I just enjoy, I just, I just, I just enjoy everything about it. I enjoy Nick not knowing how social media works these days. I enjoy Jimbo deciding he needed a 10 minute clapback fest. I enjoy Lane Kiffin just constantly tweeting. Just being like, hey, let me get in the mix so I can get my social media profile up. Maybe I'll get a couple right, of recru- yeah. maybe I'll get a couple of new recruits based off this nonsense because I'm just gonna keep getting these jokes off, baby. <laughs> so I just Jimbo, I ain't got no time for this bullshit now. And I, so I, I just enjoy I, I enjoy the a the Texas a, AD, Texas A and M A D 
who like does, never misses an opportunity to, to, to get to be aggrieved, never misses an opportunity to troll some people in public. He came after a Texas beat writer the other day, and I was just laughing my ass off. I just enjoy everything about the pettiness that was this entire situation. It was just filled with petty people doing petty things. And I think we need more pettiness in our sports. A lot less, more petty. Well, to me, I think there could be some other ramifications. They may cause them headaches further down the road. Um, I mean, because this, this offseason, they get what – two to three really big name transfers. Like they were, these transfers actually were stars at the early field. Like they had Eli Ricks from LSU actually yeah. transferred over within the division to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a really good running back that came in as well from Georgia tech. Right. Um, so for right when those happened, they're like, Oh yeah, this is Alabama doing Alabama stuff. Now it may be more of, Oh, how are they getting these transfers to, to move from LSU and Georgia mm-hmm. tech over there? But wasn't Nick Saban kind of mentioning that this has been going on, but what's going on now so it may shed more light on that and he has to do more interviews that maybe doesn't want to do so that could be other headaches and another thing maybe not too as big but i mean it seems like AM's it may be like a school on the rise do you want to give them just more boom boom material for like their players or for their boosters as well it's like hey you've been giving money and now it's bothering nick saban so we probably should give more money because hey if we quote unquote bought one class what if we buy another one how's it how's, how's that gonna make them feel so i don't I don't, don't fool on the fire. I don't because Nick Saban is always big about don't give anybody material or trying to hype up his team about hey, we're underdogs for disrespect or whatever. He doesn't usually give it out like that, but I think yeah, he kind of well. just gave out a lot of stuff that could be used quite easily. And I think I mean, that, that may be maybe a, a problem not, for him. I'm not gonna underestimate that, D. Uh, but at the same time, it's like how much more money do you need to be incentivized to give to your program when they're on the run? Like, I, I'm not saying there's no value to it, and definitely you can tell it like, galvanize the AM base as well. Like AM the AM people are salty that they've been accused of this, and they're like, Well, <laughs> well we're gonna give well, no no both. And oh. we're gonna give more <laughs> and we're gonna give more money. It's like that Michael Scott quote's like <laughs> What is it? I, I'm going to date her harder. Yeah, I'm going to date yeah, her harder. Yeah. What does that mean? There, <laughs> there is a sense of that at A&M where it's like, I'm going to boost harder. And it's like, I don't necessarily know what that means, but, you know, whatever it means, it's not good for saving. You're right. The only ramifications are bad. Like, it's not like it's good. And, and like, when you're playing out of Bama, do you really need more bulletin board material other than we need to go out and beat Bama? I mean, yes. no, but yes. You know, at the same time, yes, bulletin board material does help. <laughs> it does fire people up more. So, like I said, it's not, I don't know how much it's really consequences. Um, and the idea that saving, like that's and t- just to wrap it all up in a bow and tie it back in. As you mentioned, the transfer portal <laughs> wins that the Alabama has that the Alabama that Alabama has gotten, like. <laughs> Saban's doing it too. Like you know, all these things that he's like, he's like, oh, the transfer portals are muck. <laughs> Nil NIL's a muck. He's not not using it. <laughs> like he's not not stopping Bryce Young. He's yeah. not stopping Bryce Young from getting his his uh his million dollars. He's not stopping people from coming to the portal through the portal to his school. So it's like it's like how are you gonna rail against this stuff and be like, oh, it's out of it's out of hand. But you're using it more than anybody. <laughs> Yeah, and Jameer Gibbs is the name of the running back from Georgia Tech. Yeah. He's, uh, no, Alabama, he's a star. <laughs> Alabama filled in holes this offseason with the transfer portal. It's funny, too, because the only one who probably doesn't really do these things as much as probably the other big-name pro- programs, I'm not saying he's clean and he's like, oh, the sanctity of sports, but Ryan Day actually does you know, back up a little bit of this stuff. They don't really use the transfer portal as much as everybody else. They don't, they, they're like giving out Neil deals. I'm going to act like they're not, but they don't seem to be quite as smarmy as some of these other players and, and have, and they're just kind of 
going off of reputation to this point. Now, they might have to change and get with the times as well, because I'm sure eventually that'll eat into some of their profits and such. Yeah. But as of now, like if you wanted a messenger for some of this stuff, Ryan Day seems to be a better messenger than yeah. uh, Nick Saban, because Nick Saban is using these things. Right. Yeah. Ryan Day is only using this as much as he ha- absolutely needs to and has to to stay alive. Nick Saban is using this to continue to be a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just funny, man. The people who kind of could talk on this are very silent because they know that there's really no need to not to not be silent. To not nothing be, to gain. There's nothing to gain by talking. But yeah. the person who's like the loudest is the dude who's won like the last seventeen thousand yeah. national championships. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so, the worst messenger ever. <laughs> so it's just, it's just funny. Any last words on this, gents, before we get on out of here and we stop talking about the disingenuous Nick Saban? <laughs> nope. Man, nope. This was, this was a this was a long one. We returned. Oh yeah, a, Paw for the ages, baby. Yeah, we returned with a banger. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at you, Ed. We returned with a banger. No. Um. Anything to stop? Stop. Pointing at your imaginary watch, it's weird, and no one can see it. Yeah, it's air time. Oh baby. yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's, 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 it's an audio medium, man. Um, yeah, describe what you're doing, Ed, for the people. Yeah, yeah. I am tapping my wrist. Yeah, actually, that's worse. Just Don't to, do that. Never mind. Just stop. <laughs> to simulate having a watch. <laughs> Trey Blanco, Ed White, we appreciate you on the program, man. Get your plugs in. Ah, uh, yes, Trey Blanco's podcast and grill is back and running. We had our third. Is that third season? Uh, yes. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think it is. Yes, oh, well, so we're back again for a third season. Uh, we talked we're, about. You know, you know what would make this more organized if we got what? paid. If we got paid, we, got paid. <laughs> we we would probably remember how to do our promos. If we, nah, had, uh, I'd be more chaos. I'd be out here, you know, just living life, smoking a cig or something, smoking a cigar, bro. Anyway, we are back with our uh, post draft free agency episode, and we'll be back hitting back with you pretty soon, pretty quick, and pretty often with OTAs, mini camp, and then preseason football. Hey, you know, we're coming back again, hoping the Cowboys can continue to succeed with week one with the season of football NFL. We back with you 17 weeks, hopefully more. Trey Blanco Podcast and Grill. Be blessed, be peace. <laughs> Break down the X's and O's of Cowboys football. <laughs> D, thank, thank you for returning to the program. Maybe do a better book? No. Um, <laughs> What, plug anything you want, including your non-social media presence. Yeah, no social media. I do want to give a shout out though before we go. Um, I actually want to give a shout out to Team USA national team for soccer. I'm not sure if y'all saw this though, but they actually the came down with a uh, determination that they're going for for all the Olympic games and such for any type of earnings and everything is now going to be put into one large pool and then spread out to all the athletes for Team USA soccer. So that's the men and the women's as well. Um, so it, it's big time decision, big time move by Team USA. I love it. Um, I think I mentioned before that probably what they should have done from the get go. So I'm glad they finally got there. And I think they're really the only country right now that actually does it that way, too. And it just makes sense for everybody, I think, all around. So kudos to them. Kudos to the ladies for fighting the good fight and winning. So, yeah, just want to give them some love. And give them a shout out. Boy, were the sexists mad. The sexists were mad. Ooh, they did not understand. <laughs> they did not understand. And, and, and they don't understand, quite understand that the ladies are more popular than the men in this sport. So they probably more should be successful. So they probably should. So they should probably be making more money. But anyway, we won't talk about the sexists. Ooh, they was mad. <laughs> Terrell Huff, Thespian Poppy himself. Uh, give him all the plugs. 
I don't know why it was uh, Barack Obama here. I don't understand what's happened. Uh, at Terrell Huff on Twitter. Oh, uh, Lord. That's a better <laughs> Barack Obama right there. Same thing on Instagram. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I, I mean, he's a professional. <laughs> uh, shout out to my son, Thomas. He's graduating from kindergarten tomorrow. At hey. IP Academies. Yes. Yeah, let's go. Push it on to the first grade. You know how we do. Uh, yeah, let's get that alphabet, baby. <laughs> what else we got working? Um, he just he actually just had a, a photo shoot for like a, a, a landscaping company, Twistleaf, up in Austin yesterday. So he just did that. So you probably might see him popping up on your interweb somewhere on the social medias. Booked um, and busy. Hey, yeah, hey, man. Hey, you know what? That's not fair, Terrell. I think we need to rein in some of this, some of this, some of these deals. I'm not <laughs> getting those the love. I'm not getting those you deals. Should- so I hey, commercials yo. for the love, T. Wait, wait, you like, for, can man? we get an NIL for my son, man? Jesus. I'm trying to see that, right? <laughs> nah, but yeah, man. You know, we do it good right now, man. So, you know, but uh yeah, the kids getting ready to end the school year. So we ain't gonna have to wake up at 5 30 in the morning for a minute at least. Uh and uh yeah, man, nothing really going on in the radio world anymore at, at this point, filling in from time to time when I can, but for the most part. Uh, hey man, just the pod and uh, doing what I can to write, uh, get these checks and cash them, man. But uh, yeah, that's right. it. No, no, no Twitter, no Twitter handles. No, uh, let me see. I got, I got a Twitter at Terrell Huff on Twitter and Instagram. By the way, I also have an Instagram for uh, my, my budding photography business, Makia Media Co. Uh, M-A-K-I-A Media Co. on, on uh, Instagram. So check me out on there if you need some corporate pictures taken for headshots or something like that. Holler at y'all, boy, because uh, I do those things. Uh, and uh, what else? Uh, not too much else going on, man. Like I said, you know, just trying to stay employed and, and, and trying to stay, you know, flush with cash when I can, man. Um, flush. Flush, flush with, with cash. cash, man. Uh, catch me catch me and the kids on Disney Plus. Hopefully in the next three or four months here, they'll be talking about the show. Uh, I'm not sure which episode ours will be because there's supposed to be like eight episodes, but it's called A Real Bug's Life on Disney Plus. Uh, if you go to Disney Plus, it's on Nat Geo. And uh, yeah, we're hoping in the next two to three months, they should be talking about like when it's going to air and everything like that. So uh, this man it's going to be dope. This man, oh. the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting that Mickey Mouse money. Right yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's 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 I'm doing headshots. Try, try to make a living and stuff. I'm also on Disney. Um, by the way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the irony because, like, you know, Will Smith got a show in there too. So it's like, you know, I'm all I'm I'm, I'm gonna push that as far as I can push it when that when it come out. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be on the interwebs, like, hey, check I, I, me out. So, I will say I realized after the fact that I missed a golden opportunity to have Terrell do the keep my name out your fucking mouth. I should he should have done he should have done that. I I, I was What's so funny is I, I was, was thinking that. The funny was, thing is, is I was thinking about it. Like, yeah. like I was like, Jimbo came out and he was like, keep my program's name out your motherfucking mouth. Like, I was like thinking it the whole time. So when you said it, I was laughing because I was like, that's exactly what I was thinking. Because that's how he came at it. Yes. 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 <laughs> that's my favorite. That, that's a, that is an underrated part of that whole process. When he did yeah. in, the, in between them, keep my name. Like, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so serious, <laughs> dude. It was a joke. It was a GIJ joke. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so a little bit of the rundown. We're we, we trying to be back, y'all. We trying to be back. We trying to get it. 
the social media is up and running in a, in a little bit more better way. It's uh, going to try to keep up with clipping the shows and giving you a little more uh, even of the behind the scenes stuff. When we do have that, there was actually really I didn't record until we started recording. So there's no behind the scenes stuff today. But anyway, we're going to try to get that stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's on the wrist by Daniel. Anyway, we're going to try to be better. We're going to try to get on the TikTok. The, as I sound like an old man, the TikTok. I be we, we're going to try to you're going to try oh, to Lord. improve our Instagram process and all those kind of I things. So I don't care. TikTok so, now. Yeah, we're gonna try, baby. We're gonna try to get out there. We're gonna try to we're gonna try to Instagram, make money. TikTok only fans get to where we can get his baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Only fans. <laughs> he said that hey. he like he took a hobby. He said that when I was in the rug with the TikTok. Hey, so, yeah. so, I mean, we we be potty stripping at the same time. That's hey. all. <laughs> Seems like you're ready. Trayvon fucking grill. It's getting hot here, baby. Hey, I swore that you were ready. I swore that you were ready. So anyway, so anyway, we're gonna try to improve at this guy off the rails real quick. We're we we went away so that we could well for some mental health stuff, but also we needed to recharge, but also so that we could try to improve the process and bring you more content, more consistent pro- content, and try to make a plan, put a plan in place to do those kind of things. So look for that this season as we start up our third season of Speaking for Sport. We will of course be back with some weekended take, not weekended take. Excuse me. Oh, some no. um a midweek's take. My God, mm, we can take it's gone. Go. It's gone forever. Go. Some Trey Blanco's podcast and grill is back. Aces for Hell is of course concluded. If you <laughs> I mean, if you're still on the feed, it's the only thing you've been getting for months. So I hope that you know that it is concluded because I told you it was. But uh, Zip has concluded Aces for Hell for now. Um, so hopefully we can get him on this podcast. We still, of course, wanted to be a part of the family. Uh, or as Brian, as Brian Kelly would say, family. We still want uh, Zip to be a part of the uh, Speaking for Sport Network. So we we got a lot of things in the work. Of course, we want to get Mariana back on the pod, especially concerning a lot of the things that have been happening. We uh, need to probably talk about some of that stuff on a midweek's take. So we're going to try to get all that in the works and get that to you. Please check out my man Ed White, Trey Blanco, and Daniel Davidson, D Boy Davidson, Sue Boy Davidson's podcast over the draft some post-draft analysis that'll actually drop after this one because of how i'm gonna edit everything so go check that out this will drop on two this will drop on tuesday that'll drop on thursday and, and we'll be back and we'll be back in your lives in the meantime i am of course most excellent i don't even think guys i don't even think i said the name of the show at the beginning of this episode. I realized that when I, I said know it. What it is. I, I did. I just understood. <laughs> does not need to be spoken. Thank you, Daniel. In the meantime, the game I am is to be you, told. Not I am so. your most excellent, maybe the worst host in the history of hosts. Who knows? I'm your possibly. most excellent, <laughs> possibly. Still your wife's favorite podcaster, Dr. Lewis. Third baby. Terrell. <laughs> that? Terrell, please hit him with the outro, baby. Speaking for sport, because somebody has to. I don't remember the name of my old pod. Goodbye. Speaking of my spark. <laughs>